because at a certain point, it's all you can do is laugh. Ten hours to go until the, the view of this Toronto Maple Leafs core could potentially change forever. I don't know. Nothing's off the table. Last time I talked to you Saturday night, I think your final words were, all right, I'm going to go drink some whiskey in bed. Uh, ben Ennis, yeah. J.D. Bunkus. How'd that go? <laughs> you know how it went. Well. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> it's a time-honored tradition of that working. <laughs> Just peachy keen. <laughs> I actually woke up this morning. I straight up woke up this morning, at, and I know that some of you are going to freak out because I wake up late. As I, but I woke up very early for me, which is 6 a.m., <gasps> and I woke up at the crack of 6, the crack of 6, and I went, like, legitimately, I went, oh, my God, that game is tonight. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, oh I, there's no delaying. I have no choice. There's nothing that can be done. It's just, you know, there's there's not even a fan in the stands to pull a fire alarm and be like, not tonight, T- yeah. tomorrow maybe. Yeah, it's it's going about as well as you would think it would go. Let's bring in our buddy Justin Bourne, Hockey Central, blooming star here at Sportsnet. Just he's everywhere these he's days. He's in full bloom. He really is in full bloom. Um, hey, Bourne. Hi, guys. Let me just say that the whiskey in bed thing is is really good for a while. You just got to, you know, it can't be a routine. No. <laughs> if I can offer some advice on this. <laughs> no. Listen, How about a yearly I... annual tradition where, yeah. you know, the Toronto Maple Leafs get in the playoffs and then you end up drinking whiskey in bed? Yeah. I, I was just going to say that this isn't of my own volition. The Maple Leafs forced me into this spot time this and time true. again They're where I have – I have no choice but to do this because, like, how else? Man, I, I got to tell, I everybody knows. I'm really glad we didn't do an emergency podcast. Ben and I thought about it on Saturday night to just talk about some of these things and how we were feeling, and I actually am glad I didn't because I'm angry. I'm I'm still angry, and it's not even it, – it, it's purely based out of this. I – I was fielding texts from friends and and family members who like just love this hockey team. And I was looking a little bit on Twitter, but not as much. And this is a gut punch that Leafs fans of all the fan bases. I I know that people in Vancouver who are weirdly obsessed with Toronto, love it. And Montreal loves it. And I'm providing them their like absolute, like their favorite, their catnip, whatever. But this is the dead last fan base that deserves this. Like, I cannot think of any fan base right now in any sport that deserves what is happening to them right now less. And I just got angry because I thought about all the people who started talking to, you know, dead family members and calling friends and just wanting it so badly and to fall up short and to not just do it in a way where... You know, it's okay, well, it's a good team and it's a seven-game playoff and you do this. It's You had a team up against the ropes that everyone was unanimously calling the worst team in the playoffs that can't score any goals, that is flawed, you know, tip to tail, and you come back. You come back and you tease people in a way where you say it's different. You're different now. Like, you're the team that comes back, storms back, and wins games. You're the team that is never out of it. And they get to two overtimes in a row where they fall down and play horribly and boom, both times, gut punch losses where you just have to sit there with it and stare at the sky wondering what the hell has happened to put the Leafs in this position. And so 
I just – I'm kind of at the point where if they lose tonight and, – and we'll actually get into some of the thoughts on the series and the games, whatever. But if they lose tonight and you're a fan of this team and you just bail and, and you ever run it like, – and you're the person who's like, ah, oh, I used to be a fan of Leafs and then I just no, – I'm not anymore. I, I won't be. I wish I could be. <laughs> but I'm going to just look at you and go, I get it. You know? No guilt. <laughs> you get the free pass. You're out. I, I totally understand. This yeah. is bad. Yeah, I, I, you know, my, my morning takeaway. By the way, first off, 6 a.m. is, is early. Don't let anyone tell you there, it's not. You, it's sure. garbage Thank when you. people give you that early stuff. Anyway. I know, no, and they're when they're like, I wake up, I don't sleep no. ever. And you're like, congrats right. to, to you. No, he <laughs> yeah. says Saturday waking up at 9.30 is early. That's when it's annoying. That's yeah, offensive. Is definitely. <laughs> that is yeah. early on a Saturday. Yeah. I like to get out of bed on a Saturday, ideally, sweet 10.30. That's the best. Absolutely. Wake up at 9.00. And then go, oh, I get to go back to sleep. And then go back to sleep and then get out of bed at 1030. That's the best. Okay. Um, but, yes, I so I woke up in the same way. Like, oh, Leafs abs, Leafs abs. Here, like, it's, it's that day. And it reminded me of being a player. Because that's how it is when you're a player. And you wake up and it's game day and it's like a big one. You're like, man, your whole day is focused on this one thing. And it's pointless to try to think about anything else. You know, that is where we're at. And then my next thought this morning was also about rational sports fans and how they're the worst. There's this new version of sports fan who wants to pat themselves on the back for being the most logical re- Spock, right? Well, right. if you really think about it, there are children starving in this game. Like, shut up. Like, it's a hockey game. It's sports. It's a diversion. Can I care about my diversion, my hobby? Like, I, you're allowed to go absolutely mental over this, and it's mental that it is where it is. And, you know, part of me, it's playoffs and good teams get pushed. Carolina got pushed by Nashville, a lot of overtime, six games. Vegas got pushed to a seventh game by the Minnesota Wild. You know, the the Leafs going seven games is not that unimaginable, unimaginably bad. However, the way that they got here was oh, yeah. brutally painful. No, I that's the – I love when people write, don't be so reactionary. It's like, what? Oh, I'm sorry. No, but isn't <laughs> what that we what we're here? all doing here? <laughs> yeah, like, we're reacting to the things that are unfolding in front of us, and they're supposed to be easy. And uh, this, Nothing about this is easy, and I would say that the reactions uh, are fair here. <laughs> the reactions are fair. Yeah, yeah they're definitely By fair. the way, you know what's not fair? People are saying they're not going to watch Game 7 tonight. I saw that. I saw that in a couple places. I get I that. From, from a neighbor. You get it? What do you yeah. mean you're not going to watch Game 7? Well, obviously, I'm going to. Over. No, no, no. Obviously, I'm not going to, no. but there, there's a – so I, I have a, can I make a confession? Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm someone who sometimes, like during big games, will change the channel to a different sport. And even though I know the game is back from commercial break, I wait like 30 seconds, and I hope that I miss the – you know, game time goal or something, you know, like I, I, I want, I, I try to switch it up. I, I, I like want that 30 seconds of just pretending as though that's not there. And then I go back to it and go, Oh, Oh, something happened. And most of the time it's nothing. Most of the time it's just like 30 seconds have gone by, but I, I do understand the thought process of the person who doesn't want to watch because it's just, it's unbearably stressful for them. I well, get it. Well, I will say, but I, 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 that makes sense to me if you're doing it because you're trying to alter the course of events right. in some weird superstitious way. No, the but it's two, like- it's two things. It's two things. It's two things. It's like I don't want to watch it. Like, 
I don't like watching it. <laughs> I don't enjoy. <laughs> there's no part of me that enjoyed the that hockey game against the Canadians on Saturday night. Like zero part. They were awful. They were embarrassing. They played two of the worst periods I've ever seen the Toronto Maple Leafs play, which is really saying something. Like honestly, if there's one thing you can say about this group is that they're digging the hole into new lows that I didn't even think existed for Leafs fans. So congratulations to them. Um you are doing the impossible in many ways. But I like I don't know who would sit there and who would have watched that and thought, this is fun, this is enjoyable, like I'm having a good time. I don't have thoughts of turning this off at all. Like it's all gravy and fun. No, it was bad. It was torture chamber. It sure was. And you brought up the Spock brain, uh, born, and yes, <laughs> no, the people who compare it to the real life events are beyond talking to. We can't talk to them. What I thought. Well, you were if talk- you're doing that take, then yeah. you better be like, well, I'm taking my one second right. away from tending to the Syrian refugees that I have in my home uh, to make this one tweet right. to keep you in perspective. Like, no, <laughs> no don't you dare. <laughs> no. Yeah. What I thought Show you me your receipts of all the things you're doing, okay? <laughs> if you're doing that. I, I need a detailed list of your contributions to society if you're shaming people for caring about something fun. No, they're bad. Uh, what I thought you were going to talk about is the dispassionate people who, who try to view sports through this dispassionate lens, right? Who try to look at the ones and the zeros and the what should happen and what is actually happening. And, hey, the rest of the stuff, maybe there's a little bit of unquantifiable stuff. We can quantify most of sports. With, uh, explain this this series then. Explain these last two games, Born. Like, is there anything logical to explain the way that they've come out in the first, well, I would say 40 minutes of game six, at least the first 20 minutes of game five? The logic cannot be applied to the last two games of this series. No, I think it's pretty uh, ripe for some narrative conversation. And for me, it's like you're always going to get a push in, uh, before you te- uh, put a team away. Like game five was like, okay, they're down 3-1. They have pride. You're going to get a push here. You know, will there, you know, you just got to kind of withstand that. Maybe go get one and, and take the wind out of their sails. They got, you know, Montreal scores two, goes up, uh, you know, out shoots them like nine to two in the first 10 minutes and they're up two goals and they win a game. And all of a sudden, there's that shred of belief they're back in Montreal with the you know fans, whatever you think of that. But like they just kind of had this another reason to give an, an extra little bit of push to the Leafs. And both times, both times that it was like, okay, Montreal's going to bring something better than their usual game. The Leafs weren't able to bring their level up, or I, I shouldn't say weren't, but like weren't ready to, weren't prepared to, didn't expect it. I'm not sure what it was, but they couldn't match that level and that. You know, it's brutal. It's brutal. And then they end up fight, finding it and fighting their way back and all that. But, yeah, both times so disappointing that they just don't seem to be able to, to finish the job. Yeah, but they fight back, and the guys who get it done are TJ Brody and Jason Spezza and not the guys that you need it to be. And Jake you know, Muzzin like, the day before or game before. Mm-hmm. Right, right, just – it's just – it's not – because this is going to be the question now, right? It's going to be, hey, is there something about this team's core who are all playing right now that they just don't have it? You know, I remember Paul Pierce before uh, Raptors series against Washington said the Raptors don't have it. The Raptors don't have it. And this Washington team that they were going to go play was pretty comparable when it comes to talent. Um you shouldn't have looked at it and thought, hey, this is going to be a sweep. But guess what? It was. 
and Paul Pierce walked them off in one of those games because we all learned throughout the course of that guy's career that he does have it. And they're different sports, but I also look at it and say there is that one thing, which is Ben and I talk about it all the time. What is clutch? Is clutch elevating your game? Sometimes maybe a little, but I think it's a little overstated. What it really is is not being overwhelmed at all by a moment. And watching this Leafs team that just dominated teams throughout the regular season and who has had stretches of play against Montreal where they have dominated puck possession and the other team doesn't look like they belong on the ice with them is floundering in a second period where they got a break after the fans and all these things where they just can't handle Montreal's forecheck. Montreal's gaining the zone effortlessly. They're zipping the puck around and looking like they're the Colorado Avalanche and the Leafs are the team that wasn't like squeaked into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Just complete discombobulation. And I always feel like that kind of stuff is top down. And I try not to overreact to this stuff. And I try, it's like, you know what this reminds me of is like when you see a scary movie, you see something where it's like a haunting. And for the next little while, when you go to the bathroom, you're like, oh, like, you know, I wonder, you know, your brain starts to play little tricks on you where you go like, is there, I like lights on, you know, lights on is better than lights off. And then you go, ghosts aren't real. Ghosts aren't a thing. Like, don't don't freak out and think that but and then you go but maybe but like maybe they are <laughs> this is how i'm feeling going into this game where it's like but maybe ghosts are real maybe ghosts have haunted this talented group but more likely maybe maybe these guys don't have that it that paul pierce talked about with the toronto raptors and and i really do feel as though they lose this one and there has to just be the question as to whether or not that it factor can be learned. Because if well, you don't think it can be, then changes have to happen. Well, I'll never argue with uh, the point about tonight. Like, if tonight goes poorly, then certainly that conversation is one we are going to have probably multiple times over the course of the summer. Um, but it, it's so funny how, like, this team came back from down 3 nothing and 2 nothing to take it to OT. They dominate the last overtime. Like, one gets tipped in, redirected, goes off a skater, an ass, or whatever, and we're sitting here going, a different Leafs team, right? They were down. They found their way back. They mm-hmm. win it in OT. Like, it is. It's, you, you know, it's a reality of hockey that these little bounces can happen. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened for the Leafs, and at some point you have to say, is there something there? For me, I, in the early part of the series... You'd have been nuts to say that Austin Matthews looked like there were, you know, ghosts for him, you know, in any way or any sort of like hesitation or whatever. I thought last game and the and game before that there are moments. I know he had a ton of shot attempts, fifteen shot attempts last game. I don't game. want to hear about those shot attempts. I know. It, but, first of all, hit the net when you're in a good spot. You're the best goal scorer in the NHL. Second of all, where are these shot attempts coming from? Like, has has anyone in their right mind felt as though Austin Matthews has been dangerous in this series? And like, yeah, okay, cool. You were good in game two. Um, how about be good in all of the games? Like, has anybody been watching Colorado with Nathan McKinnon, who everyone's like, oh, I think he's better than Nathan McKinnon. Uh, has anybody watched David Pasternak rip hat tricks on the Islanders? Like, this guy is not even able to get dangerous opportunities right now. And so... Oh, sorry. I just like I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I just that that narrative right now is driving me more insane than yeah. anything else, which is, hey, Matthews is generating shot opportunities. I don't want those guys to be down on themselves in a media conference. Like I don't. So I understand him talking about it saying, "Hey, we're doing a lot of good things." But that's the last thing that people want to hear right now where you think like, "Oh, what you're doing, you believe is enough when you have one goal 
and you had three points in that one game and then one outside of it, like, hey, man, everyone called you the second best player on the planet, and you were the Rocket Richard runaway winner. Um, I don't really want to hear about how Mitch Marner isn't giving you enough space. Like, it should be fine. You should be able to dominate the Montreal Canadiens. You should be able to be threatening. Yeah, you know what? So there was a look he had in front of that last game. Thornton gave him a little pass. He was dead in the slot, and Price yep. made a good blocker save. Great save. There was, there, but like there was a moment to me. I don't know. This it's a very specific moment, but he got the puck out of the corner. Things kind of opened up, and Zach Hyman was open for a one timer in the slot. And I know it's Zach Hyman. And I know Austin Matthews had the puck, but he just threw it into Price's crest. And it, it felt to me like, are you just trying to rack up shot attempts? Like, I, it doesn't matter who the guy is in the NHL who's wide open in the slot for a shot, Zach Hyman or not. Like, it just seemed like an easy play to me. It seems to me like forcing it, like just trying to get pucks to the net instead of being that, like, confident, poised guy that we've seen all year. So I didn't think he was great last game. Um, you know, Marner's getting a hard time from fans, and I thought early in the season, he was re- in the series, he was really bad. Um, I haven't thought he was that bad the last couple of games. Games. I don't know. I just, just to my eye, he's been creating quite a bit, but they're not doing enough. At the end of the day, results are all that matter for those two, and then the team starts and st- or sorry, you know, they go as, as the team goes as they go. So uh, this all will fall on them at the end of the day. It's going to be interesting to see what would happen were it all to fall apart here tonight. So when it comes to their top guys, um, Marner is just, he's going to be the whipping boy because he doesn't have a goal in 17 playoff games. And you can say, well, that's not what he's supposed to be, but... He was on pace for 30 goals during the regular season this year. Yeah, and not only that, it's just, this was the entire argument about paying, against paying Mitch Marner that kind of money. And saying, like, when his camp was, well, we view ourselves as valuable as Austin Matthews, the logical pushback from people like me was, yeah, but you don't score goals like Austin Matthews, and there's some there's a premium for guys who create goals more than that create plays, and this is why. I thought Marner was actually like re- their best player in the first period outside of Jack Campbell in that game. Like I thought he was really really good. He does a lot of things that are really he not credited the storm for. a little bit. Right, he did. He just and he does a lot of things like when he's on the penalty kill, you feel good when he's on the ice, like that the other team is not necessarily going to score. He had one play where he broke up a pass where uh, it was a centering play that Montreal had where they're trying to feed it in the slot and he just makes a crafty dive and you know, he's an intelligent player. But that puck over the glass penalty, like that's the kind of stuff where you look at someone and say, "Are you a choker?" Like, are you a big game player when you hear footsteps on a penalty kill where you got tons of time and space and that's where you put it? And frankly, like, I just don't think that you can judge star players like Marner and Matthews off of, well, they're making lots of good things that we're not maybe as attuned to watching and blah, blah, blah. Hey, guys, guess what? You got paid. There's a reason why you make, you know, Kerfoot makes $3.5 million and you're making 10 plus is because you're supposed to be providing offense and you're supposed to be able to do it against anybody. And this has been one of the most disheartening things about this entire thing is you can't play the young card anymore. First of all, like I'm watching, again, Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr and Miko Rantanen and like what those guys are like 24, 25, 22 years old, right? And what are they doing? They're dominating. They're dominating. They're doing what, exactly what they're supposed to do. Young players around the league are kicking ass everywhere. So for me, putting these guys in the category of like they're still learning, it's like, okay, sure. Like, do I think that they can still develop as players? Absolutely. But there's enough of a sample now where you can't even get out of the first round. And it's because you can't find a way to just maintain your regular season play that 
I have to look at it and say, well, this is beyond what Montreal is doing. This is Phil Deneau. Okay, he's been good. I like Philip Deneau. We pointed to him before the series started. But the idea that you can't overcome Philip freaking Deneau and get a goal. Like, what are we talking about? Control the matchups in a game six, too. Unbelievable. Like, truly, truly, truly unbelievable. And, And this is why it comes down to that thing, which is the unquantifiable stuff that Ennis that you're talking about where you look at these guys and you say well what's different are your line mates different no are you not healthy it doesn't appear to be that way I'm sorry some people try to point that out and say is Matthew's wrist okay his wrist seems to be fine like maybe he comes out and says he's fine he should be scoring goals well what has changed all that has changed is the difficulty of the games, as Sheldon Keefe pointed out in his media conference last night, and as the games have got harder, those guys have started to disappear. And you can say that's not pressure like Keefe did weirdly, but it absolutely is. That's the only thing that's changed, pressure. And as the pressure has changed, those guys have changed and gone in the wrong direction. And so for anybody that wants to point to that, I don't see how you can be laughed at or told, hey, this doesn't matter, or you're overreacting, or you're being a fan, or whatever. That's the only thing that has changed. Born, yeah, so we're, we're talking about this Game 7 and the core and what it means going forward. It's those two guys. Like, I feel like, and for the first time ever, and both have had decent postseason moments. I know J.D. mentioned the 17 straight games without a goal for, for Marner, but Matthews has produced point-wise in just about every opportunity he's got in the postseason. But I, I, it almost feels like a defining 60-minute hockey game for both of them. Well, it's they put themselves in a position where it is, and you know I, I think it's you know you, there will be people who say, well, you can't hang it on one game, and it's like, well, the problem is all of the other games have left us here. It's not one game. No, yeah. it's not, and they've brought us to this this point where it is going to matter and make a big difference. You know, there's there's the possibility. Like, let's say the Leafs go out tonight, they win four to one. It's you know it's pretty pretty handy win. Whatever. It's not they 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 dominate the game and win four one. You know, you look back at this series and you go, well, the Tavares game was the weirdest game in the world. He was a broken thing. There's a pall over the whole thing. They lose two one. They lose two overtime games and they kind of walk over them the rest of the way. You know, like it, it's possible we'll sit here and go, I can't believe we were revisiting these guys' legacies. But I'm there with Mitch Marner where. He makes an amount of money where I'm not okay with making excuses for him anymore. And when you're reevaluating this team and getting over the hump, like you, you start to think, does this team have to have a De- DeMar De- DeRozan moment? Where they say, yeah, we're great. And yeah, that player's great. But we're just going to have to find something better. It's, it's bizarre, man. It's, uh, they brought us to a very weird situation. It's a, it's a shame they don't have Tavares. I don't know if Muzzin's going to be in, Felino's going to be in, or what they have to deal with it, but it's, it's a weird night. I, I can't imagine. If Muzzin is in, he's so compromised. Like, you don't go look at the bench, say, I'm done, disappear in an elimination game. And then, like, I, I don't know, with a groin injury, Ben says he's got some. Is he in? What? Yeah, no, here, I got breaking news. This just into 680 News, uh, and this was going off on Twitter yesterday, and thank goodness we're getting some positive news here. The Premier's office has announced that 550 fully vaccinated frontline healthcare workers, including hospital long-term care staff, are being invited to attend Game 7 tonight. So 550? Be... What a bizarre number. Yeah. <laughs> All right. They're in. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. JD, why are you silent? I'm worried. Well, I just, I, yeah, like, that's good. That's really good. I don't know how it's going to necessarily impact yeah. the game. No. Um, yeah, I just, it's good. It's good news that some rationale has taken over here. Right. I don't even remember what I was talking about. 
Uh, probably Game Seven. <laughs> well, here's uh, Demar, Demar Derozan and Mitch Marner. Some point moving on. I don't know. Okay, here's here's my thing that you mentioned the the overtime and the coin flip nature of, and we could be having a, a different conversation if overtime goes differently in Game Five or Game Six, and that's true. But the reason we were in that moment is because of the poor play for the previous three periods or the majority of the previous three periods. Tonight is a game flip. It's a coin flip game. And could Carey Price do his Carey Price thing and steal a game and in in that way steal the series? Yes. But the conversation is not what we thought was the absolute worst case scenario is that he steals this entire series. Like you've gotten yourself to a point that you're in this game seven in which that is possible because of your horrific play in the early stages of games five and six. Like I can't even twist my brain into a pretzel enough to say that there's mitigating circumstances here. I can't even go back and look at the game one weirdness and John Tavares out for the entire series and Nick Felino obviously not himself either and Jake Muzzin may be a compromised guy. Like, the, there's just nothing, there's nothing you can, you can say that will tamp down the reaction to a game seven, even if they outshoot them 50 to 20 and get Kerry Priced in a one nothing overtime loss. It's funny that we've got there, you know, like with this, this team is missing John Tavares, and everyone's like, don't care. <laughs> you know, like, move along. We expect more even without uh, Tavares. So, uh, you know, it, again, it's it's the whole history that's brought us here. You know, if you if you go back and now and look through this lineup and, and expectations for guys, you know, Tavares is another guy who I think they were going to expect more from in this playoffs. It, it's been a significant takeaway, but what was supposed to happen is – they brought in older guys who were supposed to be intangibles, good in the room, get this team over that whatever the emotional hurdle, emotional hump is. And like Joe Thornton may be the best in the world at that, but boy, is he not great right now on the on the ice. No. No. You know, like I'm not sure that they're getting what they hope. Their Nick Felino is clearly he's nurse. I'm just gonna say it. He's got a back injury. Like he can't get around. He can't be mobile. All the intangibles in the world don't matter if these guys don't have depth help down the lineup and they haven't had it for a while now. Yeah. I look at it and say, are there reasons and are there things that you're going to be able to point to and make excuses on and say like, well, Tavares was out and Muzzin now potentially being out and Felino not being healthy and Thornton being too old and blah, blah, blah. Like, of course, like, there are mitigating factors to this. But, like, what we were discussing before, when Ben brought up, like, or when we were talking about legacies, yeah, you're not writing off these guys' entire careers if they lose tonight. Like, pretty obviously not. And some people were, like, you're a choker until you're not, right? Like, there's been David Price that we've discussed in the past. There's been guys who historically have been losers. And we're going to talk to Bruce Boudreaux at 10 o'clock and this was the same thing with those Capitals teams, right? When they were young, it was, well, Ovechkin can't get it done in the playoffs, and he's not a playoff performer, and you're a choker until you're not. Ovechkin has won now. Backstrom has won now. Those guys are Stanley Cup winners no matter what. And those Toronto Maple Leafs players, like the, the core guys on this team, they could get there eventually too. Like, they're still young. They got long runways to go, and maybe they do learn something from it. But... When we're talking about like flaws and overreactions and what can get determined in this game, you might be determining your Toronto Maple Leafs legacy. Maybe not your legacy as a player, but yeah, when Bourne, you're talking about making excuses for Marner moving forward, I don't think you can go 18 Stanley Cup playoff games in a row without a goal and 
say, well, we're running it back next year. And when you get in a spot like this, guys are looking around the room and saying the same dude. Eventually, you build up enough trauma, you build up enough damage where I don't think that you can come back because it's just bad for your group. And if you've tried all these different iterations, right? Like people keep going around and saying, well, you tinker with this and you tinker with that. And maybe you don't do Joe Thornton. Well, like they've tried a few things now. And like, what do you want them to try next year? How, how is this going to be appreciably better without moving off of a core piece? And yeah, to me, the core piece would be Marner, but it's like, what's his value with his contract? Where do you go? Everyone keeps talking about Eichel. I'm like, why would they want Marner and his contract over the Rangers saying, we'll give you Lafreniere and peace? Like, I, I don't know. This seems like a bit of a reach to me. I don't really know what you get. And then maybe you're waking your team worse. It's just, they would be in an impossibly difficult spot if they lose tonight. And... Yeah, I just I don't know how you come back from it and simply don't say something drastic needs to happen because you've had this would be seven opportunities with this core to close out a series wild. and you don't That's come through wild. in any of them. Yeah. You know what's you know what looms over this all too is how different the outcome of tonight's game could leave some of these legacies like if they win tonight right, they're yeah. not going to play Colorado. They're going to play the Winnipeg Jets. I know. With the worst D in, in the, the playoffs. Like, let's say they win tonight and Matthews and Marner score a goal each and they move on and they go to the Jets and they just eat the Jets' lunch, which is not impossible. I'm not saying that'd be an easy series, but, like, there's, a, there's an outcome here where then they go into a playoff round having shaken this roadblock of not being able to get through the first round. They, you know, eat up the Jets. Those guys rack up the points. All of a sudden, their play, playoff legacies have grown, and they're in the conference finals, or sorry, to be the semifinals this year. You know, it's, it, who knows? I'm just saying tonight's outcome can swing it in such a positive way for these guys if they get it done. If they don't, we'll never know, and we're going to have to, you know, we're having the type of conversations that are, as you mentioned, legacy-defining. No, man, that's what I was going to bring up, is that watching this series and everything since uh, Game 4 changes how you view this team and its ability to win a Stanley Cup to, to such an incredible degree. And that's, honestly, the hope is that it's such a mental block about winning that first series. It, it's hard to imagine that's it, but like that, all it takes is winning one series and all of a sudden all the baggage is lifted, all the monkeys are taken directly off your back. That, that's like the best case scenario for Marner That was the Capitals and, and the Penguins. They got past the Penguins in that series, yeah, but they and won, that was it. And, and, they won playoff rounds, right? Before, yes, you're right. Getting through the Penguins w was big, but like at least that team won a. Pl well, like th that's the thing. The ask yeah. is not much here. It's to win a first round series against the worst team in the postseason when you're 20 points better than them during a shortened 56 game season. Like it is not a mass. After taking a 3 1 series lead, the ask is not astronomical. No, it's not. It's not astronomical, and th and that's why I think we're justified in having some of these like heavier conversations about you know what would come next. You know, I guess we should talk about what should happen tonight. Yeah, that's yeah, what I next. wanted to say. I was like, let's do that because, yeah, we're doing my thing of well, don't play out the worst case scenario because then you have to live <laughs> it twice anyway. Um, yeah, but. Yeah, it's just it's hard. But that's not where to do leaf that. brains are at, right? I mean, let's be honest. Well, of course, man. Because again, and like people, it, it's funny because like you know, I get some people obviously. Like I was very confident about this Maple Leafs team. I think that uh, you know a lot of people were, and I really did think this year was different. They go up three one even without Tavares, and I'm thinking the same thing because I'm watching this and saying, yeah, one team is just far 
more talented and further down their developmental track, and they should win. They're, they had a goal differential of, I think, over 40 goals between the two teams during the 50. regular season. Right, so just 50. Yeah, 50 goals. That seems significant enough to judge these teams and give reason as to why this should have been a five-game series regardless of anything. And it's just like the only thing seems to be the ability to step up. And it's why it's like when you're looking at this game, the logical person, like look at Vegas right now. Vegas has this right now still, or they opened up the book with Leafs minus 200, right? Mm -hmm. So like Habs heavy underdogs and I'm just looking at that going you're right because if you're taking all the stats and you're looking at the rosters even without Muzzin and even without Tavares or whatever that's still the talent discrepancy between these two teams so what is it that makes up that next portion well part of it is the sport because the sport is a wonky one but then part of it is just the thing that you can't measure that makes people uncomfortable to talk about because you're guessing but the Leafs have put everybody in that position where everybody has to guess what's wrong with them because they haven't just gone out and closed. And you know what? There's even parts of this that made me frustrated where you go, okay, even if they do win in a game seven, now if Muzzin's lost his groin, like he's out for a series where oh, yeah. it's like you would have had you him if you could have just closed in five. Yeah, like, six, yeah. no, exactly. There's just all these other repercussions from it. They've changed the way that I look at their ceiling. They've changed the way that I look at this regular season. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of damage that's already been done even if they do win this game. And so I'm not sure it's going to be as peachy keen as um, we think that it could be. I think I've said peachy keen twice now, which is embarrassing and also time to take a break. That's what that is. Yeah. That's yeah. Very yeah. Break regroup song. and get yeah. some, some more, uh, I don't know, cliches. Uh, and we'll be back on the other side uh, with more of Justin Bourne, Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus. Uh, it is uh, Good Show's Leafs Hour, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right. Game seven at home, so that's good. You can protect your 41-goal scorer against pesky Phil Deneau and Brendan Gallagher and Jake Evans. Oh, got to, got to, got to protect. Protect, protect the $20 million of hockey player who have scored a combined one goal uh, this series. It is good show. Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus, Justin Bourne for the uh, full first hour. Uh, all right, so let's let's talk about the game and what needs to happen uh, tonight because we went into this series talking about how you lean into defense defense mm-hmm. because this team is is more than good enough offensively that hey if you got to choose Riley Nash over somebody who can give you offense you choose the defensive guy turns out offense has been a little more problematic than we anticipated and I guess Bourne some of that credit has to go to the the Montreal Canadiens but the power play, save for that one game where they scored a couple, it, and really like a couple of 30-second intervals on a couple of these power plays, it has looked pretty similar. What have you made of the, of the Maple Leafs offense in this series, and what do they have to do tonight? Well, if this were a text conversation, I would hyperlink people back to our Morgan Riley conversation, which is if this doesn't work out, um, you know, this year Morgan Riley running the first power play unit, it's probably that's a no go anymore. Bye bye. Um, just like I, I just think his decision making back there is not great. I think internally there are some people who believe that his vision is a problem, and I just he so often is moving the puck to the side he's skating it towards. Like he brings the D with him on the PK, pulls them over to the guy he then passes it to, and I'm just like, what what is happening here? Like is a talented offensive guy at times and sometimes I just think, I don't know, it's not working from a, a quarterback perspective, but I'll just say to create offense throughout the lineup, 
uh, at five on five. Alex Kerfoot has been one of their best forwards, which I did not anticipate saying uh, going into this series. So it's insane to have Nick Felino at, at uh, center on line two. So Kerfoot's got to play uh, alongside Nylander and Galchenyuk, and that's got to be your second line. If Felino's healthy, uh, he can play on the third line. Um, from there, it's just like, okay, you're going to leave Matthews, Marner, and, and Hyman together. That third line with uh, Mikheyev and now Felino and Simmons has been been good. You know, it's and Eng- Engvall's been great too, so I, I haven't minded his role at all. It's just like Joe Thornton's the only forward I really have much to quibble with on the on the offensive side of things. Yeah, I I can't believe that Felino replaced Kerfoot on the second line, given that the second line was arguably the most stable and steady and providing offense. And to make that switch, I thought. Nick Foligno must be totally fine, and Nick Foligno did not look totally fine. And he had a couple of opportunities, and I give him full marks for just getting out there and battling and trying to be with his team, but putting him on the second line is, uh, I think, the most perplexing decision of Keefe's playoff. Like, that was so odd. Kerfoot was going, and you took him off a line to put a guy who you, like, believe has a back injury and is stiff and who we're all watching just doesn't have the same stride as when he's normally healthy. It was very, very odd. And this brings me to this, like, in this elimination game, yes, ultimately we talked about the main thing, which is your star players that compromise uh, the vast majority of your salary cap space, that everyone was questioning whether or not they can do it, that's going to be the thing that everyone looks at first. But I kind of feel like Sheldon Keefe is becoming a big story in the wrong way. You have Felino line two, the Nylander minutes up until, I think, this point of the series, the challenge on the goaltender interference... This has not been a very good series for Keefe. And, and I got to tell you that I I got to imagine that a lot of criticism comes his way if they blow game seven. For sure. For sure. Well, I thought the challenge was terrible. That made no sense to me. It was horrifically bad. You know, you can hear some of the like the math playing out in people's heads where you're like, all right, well, you kill off 80% of penalties. And, you know, if they score, if this goal gets waved off, it's worth, you know, you could hear someone trying to like logic it out but it's a bad call it's a, he's not interfered with he doesn't even try to get through the guy who's in his crease so or Campbell didn't so I thought that was terrible um, and obviously put them in a hole the the Felino thing I can make more sense of just in going into the series that was the case and when they traded for him that was the plan the plan was to put him with Tavares and Nylander so they could have a little bit of more forechecking and defensive fortitude on a line that didn't play enough uh, because of a lack of that so you know, maybe you get it in your head that that's where he's fit for, and you want to, you know, have your team look as close to what you envisioned it being. But I'm with you that that was the plan, but you have to be flexible enough to say that the plan has changed because of X, Y, and Z. So yeah, I, I didn't love that. He even went away from it in game and then went back yeah. to it at one point. So I'm not sure how they feel about that. Uh, I feel bad if uh, Jake Muzzin can't play in hockey games because you talk about import. Uh, importance, import, and John Tavares being like maybe the the second most important player to lose in that first game of the season. Jake Muzzin's their most important defenseman. Like he he just is. And what Justin Hall looks like without him, uh, it's dark. <laughs> it's really mm-hmm. really a different look. How would you deploy things tonight if Muzzin can't go? Well, what's so terrifying is like. 
what has changed for this Leafs team, what is genuinely different about this Leafs team is that its top four has been so reliable and like you just don't worry much about the D. You just, whoever's out there, they're probably all right. And so now you're looking at a situation where uh, do, you, do you just go Sandine Dermott and move Bogosian up? Do you, you know, maybe, I guess the idea would probably have Dermott move up, have him play with Hall. Hall and Dermott yeah. want to call their cup as partners, and then you do Dermot or Bogosian Sandine. But still, it's totally different now. It's totally different now because where you felt reliable, safe, and comfortable in your pairs, now you feel like there's two pairs where you're not sure of things, and that's not a good feeling. I will say this, though. It is a good feeling knowing that when you lose Muzzin this time around that you're putting a confident and I hope and I hope hungry to change. Like, I... I know we're doing a lot of like big reaches right now, but I actually do feel like Rasmus Sandin is the kind of guy who's built for a game like this and who made those mistakes and is starving to change the narrative around him. And like, you know, we were talking about his confidence all early in the series and Nylander's talking about his confidence and, and I believe that's there. And I'm not afraid of going to Rasmus Sandin. And if there's one thing where I'm feeling positive about, it's that, hey, this team is going to a first round pick with real pedigree who's going to step in on the power play one instead of uh, Martin Marincin. That feels good. Um, <laughs> that's that feels a good right. swing, yeah. That, that's, a, that's a positive development for this team. You're always going to face the potential of losing defensemen. I think about Pittsburgh when they made their Stanley Cup run last time where, what, they went like nine defensemen deep when they won. And so Toronto having lost somebody... To me, I'm sorry. It's just this is not that kind of an excuse. You're an all-in season. You've got that different kind of depth. That's what happens when you know you're at a deadline and you're adding Riley Nashes and you know Nick Felinos and Huttons and you know they're they're deep enough to win this series. They're deep enough to win this game. And when it comes to just like trusting the pairings, I was crushed for Travis Dermott because I thought he played really well. I thought he stepped up and he just made a stupid mistake where he turns back and. It's like, how many times when you're turning back in your own zone is it a smart idea in an overtime? Like, just chip it out. The play was right yeah. there. Just get rid of it. But it's that possession thing Tiny that... Tiny bobble. I know, but it's, it comes back to the philosophy stuff of never give the puck away. And sometimes it's just like, oh, you know, maybe you just do. Like, maybe you just chip it out. Particularly like, when you're Travis Dermott, you do. Right. That should be the plan. That should probably be the plan. But I feel pretty yeah. good about the Leafs' blue line. If there's things I feel good about in this game, it's that. I, I, the thing I feel bad about is if it's not Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner's line, mm -hmm. if it's not William Nylander and leaning on Alex Kerfoot to continue to be himself, it still feels like the problems of the past where just like there's no offensive punch anywhere else except for Jason Spezza, who somehow at like 37 feels like this team's most Earth. important player, like every <laughs> shift he gets. And yet still, it's like you look at the box score at the end and you go, how many minutes did Spezza have? Because all of them were impactful. And then yet yeah. you're like, somehow less even strength than Thornton. <laughs> like, what? It's, it's, again, a point of if we're saying, hey, Keefe needs to be better, I, I would like the explanation for the Spezza thing as to why now, like, isn't the whole point of resting him in the regular season so that you could play him more now when he's going this way? Like, you know what's what? wild? Like, huh? You know, it, it's funny how it all feels like it's come back to Marner and, and Matthews but with Tavares out. Like, would Tavares play three minutes of the first game or something like that? Like, mm -hmm. this team has once again been handed to them and, and is everyone's like, yeah, everyone else is all right, but you guys, it's going to come down to you guys in the end. And, and it is. It's, there's not going to be a John Tavares game uh, after all. And I don't think Spez is going to suddenly play 15 minutes. Like, it just really does boil down to those guys. The only thing that can take away from this and it looms over all of this 
is what if Jack Campbell's not great? What if he has one night, just one night, where he looks like a guy who's never played in a, in a big moment in a playoff series before? Yep, which is entirely possible, and it's been the story of this entire thing. My only position on that one would be, again, that you put him in a position where an unproven goaltender needed to play in a Game 7 against Carey Price, and then right. if he folds up, I'm like, yeah, okay, it's cool. It's not your fault. It's not Does your fault. J- Jack Campbell was a, you know, a lottery ticket backup that they went out and acquired. To here today. Right? Yeah, that's it. I'm not even supposed to be here. This is my day off. Like this is, like, this is how I feel about Jack Campbell going in this game. Like, if you if the Leafs lose this game and Jack Campbell's bad and your function is to point the finger at him and no. say, well, the Leafs lost, it's like He's the you reason. have lost your mind. No. Yeah. <laughs> he was yeah. unbelievable in the first period of Game Six, yeah. like unreal. His he best really moment was. as a, a Toronto Maple Leaf. It is just, yeah, man. I, I, I the same thing. I, I cannot. If anything happens tonight, that is. The thing that we talked about, the the worst-case scenario in the series, whether it's Jack Campbell being an absolute nothing or Carey Price making a 1,000 saves, there's nothing, Mm -hmm. there's not, well, you know, that's the way the cookie crumbles. We should not be here today. Shouldn't have been here. By the way, last thought, because, you know, we got to run and then we'll get to Bruce Boudreaux and do some of this other stuff. But so Ben mentioned that they're letting the 550 fully vaccinated healthcare workers in. MLSE is covering the cost. As they should, like imagine being like, and uh, free <laughs> like, normal, yeah, normal. We'll look at what yeah. the prices were on the secondary yeah. market for yeah. game six, and well, yeah. it's more because it's Toronto, yeah. so we'll double. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you're you're gonna let the healthcare workers in as you should, because again, you're fully vaccinated. Five hundred fifty people in the building, like. This, this, it's such even nonsense that we would even have a debate over this or even a discussion. Right. Yep. It's obviously an obvious, 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 like, what are we talking about here? But uh-huh. this just brings me to this one last thought of, I, got, like, I give so much credit to Montreal fans, man. I, I've said this before to people, and I've talked about this on the show a million of times, but the best place on earth to watch a hockey game is the Bell Center because those fans are just built different. Like, they just know how to be hockey fans. And... There was this fan before the game that Sean McKenzie interviewed, and he goes like, I swear to God, 2,500 is going to feel like 25,000. And when he said that, I was terrified immediately because I was like, (laughs) I know that you are. And there is never – like, I feel – like, I've been in that Bell Center only for losses. I have been there only for losses. (laughs) I have seen the Leafs lose in that building, uh, like, a lot. (laughs) So I've been there for losses, and – Watching those Leafs fans have to limp out of there as the Canadians fans are just giving it to them, like, they're ruthless. Like, they, they will not hold back. They'll be, like, kind of friendly a little bit during the game, like, oh, where are you from? Like, this, this. no, that end of that game when they lost, when that energy was at that highest, and you got to limp out of there after paying thousands of dollars to watch the Leafs <laughs> choke again and have Habs fans, you know, point to the exit signs and then go dance in the street, that's the worst I've ever felt for any people, like, you know, first world-wise <laughs> in my entire life. Yeah. Like, that was horrific. I couldn't believe, I felt so, so bad for them. And... I'm just going to say that the 550 vaccinated healthcare workers is not going to replicate the feeling which was I almost I genuinely got emotional watching oh, those Habs fans. Anthem. Yeah. The, listen, I hate the Montreal Canadiens. Like I want the Leafs to win this game so badly, but I respect Habs fans so much. At least the ones that care, not the ones who already bent the knee and said they don't care. You're out. Like you're out. You're down three one, and you pulled that card of like we're out. We don't care. We're bad anyways. Blah, blah, blah. Don't want to hear a chirp from you. The ones that stuck with it, the ones that paid to go to a hockey game like that. Oh boy, like built different. Just there's, built different. There was a Toronto dad and, and son story who like oh, they paid five grand my. for two tickets. They were like, it's the first time we've got to do anything together a year and a half. Heart yeah. punch, dagger, yeah. heart punch. Right. Get out of yeah. here. 
That kid hates hockey now. (laughs) (laughs) That the intent that that father had of like I'm going to pass the tradition down of loving and hating this. Oh, he passed it down all right. Yeah, Yeah. he's like it's poison. It's it's a generation. (laughs) You take my poison, son. Poison. Yeah. I I think about I've I've had a sad amount of times where I've like gotten irrationally mad at my dad for like loving this team, you know, because no one passed it to him. He just decided, and yeah, I'm like, why? (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, yeah, why did much, you do much this? worse to do it by free will. That was a, a big mistake yeah. in your father. <laughs> I know, but like, why couldn't we just been like an expansion team? Like, you know, when I was growing up, like, could have been like Ducks fans or something. That would been cool. <laughs> like, what is that? Just cheer for the Ducks, you know, yeah. the Ducks. Quack it's quack. Not too late. Fine. It's not too yeah. late. Well, I'm it's saying, too late. depending on the result of tonight's game, uh, you, you might have some people doing the old switcheroo. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, Borny, great stuff as always, bud. Uh, talk again soon. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Good luck tonight. See you, <laughs> to our hearts, yeah. There's Justin Bourne, co-host of uh, Hockey Central. Yeah, hopefully uh, it's not a whiskey in a bed night. All right, when we come Imagine back- this, though, like the idea that they ever turned down that proposal. Like, hey, we have 550 fully vaccinated healthcare workers. We're going to let them in. The government's like, no. And then everyone gets outraged and like, should we change this now? Like, no. yeah. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> no government by Twitter. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I mean, we've already – who are running the policies here? It's Dougie's pals when it comes to golf courses. And yeah. then it's, yeah, Twitter when it comes to the obvious thing yeah. of, hey, uh, the vaccine works. And uh, what's a great mm-hmm. way to indicate that it works is that the fully vaccinated people get to go to the hockey game. No, duh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank goodness some level of sanity has prevailed and I can stop looking at... No, we're all getting the vaccine so that we can just be like, hey, be like, well, I mean, we got it in case, in case anything ever happens. In our home, if somebody breaks into, if we're (laughs) broken into in our home, somebody without a mask, we'll be safe. All right. Woo! Enough of that. (laughs) All right. Uh, Bruce Boudreau, he won a Jack Adams Award. Uh, gonna tell us uh, what Sheldon Keefe is thinking headed into tonight's Game Seven. That is uh, next. It's a good show. Ben Ennis, JD Bunkus, Sportsnet 590, the Fan. Leafs lose tonight, and everybody is gonna be nitpicked. There are no exceptions, including the head coach, who has been universally praised pretty much since his arrival, uh, and he lifted them to new heights during the regular season. But tonight's a rather large one for a lot of people's legacies in this city. Let's talk to uh, Bruce Boudreau, former NHL head coach. In fact, won a Jack Adams Award. Uh, current NHL Network analyst joins us online right now. Bruce, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. How's it going? Oh, it's uh, going fine. It's a holiday here in the States, so nobody's doing anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a huge Maple Leafs fan like you might be sweating this one out just a touch, no? Well, I don't know if sweating is the word. I mean, Let's 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 be sure they have to win. I mean, uh, it's uh, they gotta break this curse of Montreal at some point, don't you think? And um, uh, they should have won the three games they lost. So, you know, I mean, if this was the regular season, they're three zero and three in their last six games. It, 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 people would be saying that's a pretty good record. But it's not the it's not the regular season. So they just gotta win today. So what's the approach from a coach in a situation like this? Like, I, all these guys know the pressure that's on them right now. And I, I thought about some parallels to your, you know, Washington teams where it's a young group. It's a group that 
was expected to do a lot, was expected to be going deep, was expected to be contenders, and then early roadblocks, and then some bounces that start to mount up. Is this something where everything is unsaid? Is this something where you're reaching out to individual members of the group? Like, how, how are you handling your team in the days and the moments leading up to such a pivotal spot? Well, I don't think you, one of the things I don't think you have to do is tell um, Austin or, or, or Marner that, hey, we need you guys. I mean, they can't walk five feet outside the arena and not get it from everybody. Anything, any TV they turn on or radio they turn on, they're all talking about it. So they know what they have to do. Um, so as a coach, you don't want to add more pressure by pulling them in the room and say, hey, guys, we need you. I mean, they know that. I mean, uh, um, uh, everybody knows that they have to be at their best uh, today, and it'll probably be the toughest game they've played. I mean, I don't know if Muzzin's playing. I haven't heard that yet or, or not. But, um, uh, uh, you know, the, with, without him and Tavares, it, uh, they're still a, a better club than Montreal. But, you know, the, just because you're a better club doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win. But I would, I would think that everybody, if anything, the coach is trying to keep them loose, a little lighter, and, um, uh, and not put any more pressure on than, than is already there. I mean, uh, I went through this thing exactly the same thing in uh, Washington when we were up against Montreal three games to one. And eventually lost the game, the series in seven, and we were overwhelming favorites. And it's, you know, you got to let them play, and hopefully some of those pucks that haven't gone in start to go in. Yeah, uh, that series, if I recall correctly, looked a little bit different than the way these last couple of games have gone for the Maple Leafs. They have not dominated the run of play. The starts have been abysmal, and they've talked about it afterwards, Bruce. And this was, this was an old Mike Babcock trope about starts starting on time. And you talk about not needing to say things. Like, that's the last thing I would have expected this team needing to be said. They know it afterwards, and nobody can explain it. Can you explain it? Like, what do you do about the starts? Because it's been said time and time again by different coaches, and the players acknowledge it. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I, I, I really, you know, coaches will try uh, everything. I mean, um, from a game plan, I mean, I was just telling uh, my son who has – his team hasn't scored the first goal in the first nine games. And I said, listen, why don't you just say, right off the bat, we're attacking. We're just going to go go after them right after. We're going to pinch down the boards. We're going to do everything that we can to score that first goal in the first five minutes. The first five minutes, you throw the kitchen sink at them and see what happens. And then you just get into your game plan after that. I mean, because if the other team scores the first goal, uh What's the difference? They scored the first goal anyway. So um, I would be trying something maybe of that nature. I mean, I think they they play too cautious at the beginning and wait for another to wait for Montreal to make the first mistake. And Montreal comes because they've got nothing to lose. Just says let's go for it, and and they go hell bent for leather, and um, and, and they come out faster. I guess. I mean, uh, it's. It's tough in Game 7. I mean, the Leafs are still, their best players are still young players learning how to play, learning how to, to cope with this playoff pressure, and hopefully tonight they can overcome that and, and uh, get the first goal and feel good about themselves, and then from that time on, just keep going. 
So that's what we were discussing earlier is, okay, Tavares is out, and moving forward, Muzzin looks like he will be out. It's hard to envision a guy who suffers a groin injury and can't finish a, a game six that he's going to be okay to go a, a day later. But outside of losing Tavares, nothing has changed for this Leafs team other than mounting pressure and growing momentum for Montreal. And it, like When you look at this group right now, do you see them as a team that just doesn't respond to that well like what do you look for when it comes to hey you guys are just playing your your normal way because yeah it's it's something to be said for trying to change things up a little bit but part of it is just trying to return to who you are here yeah you know what i mean uh rick dudley once told me um he said he said you know what he says your teams can be as great as they as they are but you have to play 20 percent better than the best you've played in the regular season if you want to uh, do well in the postseason. And I think Toronto is right now, is they're playing like the regular season, and they haven't upgraded their game. And if they want to continue in the playoffs, they have to upgrade their game. So, and I mean, and I think I think you can tell, like, I mean, some of their older guys look slower right now because Montreal has upgraded their game and and gotten better. Um, the the goaltending is is has been pretty equal, even though I think Price has been great uh, and had to make better better saves. But um, so it's the rest of the Leafs; they have to uh, pick up their game by a good 10, 15 percent tonight. Yeah. And again, when you were in this spot, Montreal coming back down in a series, how do you feel just even about the other team in terms of their building confidence? Because I got to feel like that's a major part of this too, is that Toronto is now facing a completely different team. Like Elliot Friedman was pointing out that after the 3-1 loss, that you know you looked at Montreal's bench and it looked like a completely defeated group. And just the way that they were after that win and the energy that they felt in the building and their coach saying things like, we're going to Toronto so that we can go to Winnipeg. Just the actual value of the other team and how you felt in that spot with their confidence versus where your group is at and the value of that. Well, I, I really believe Montreal thinks, hey, boys, we got nothing to lose. Everybody's going to say we had a great series if we lose tonight. But, I mean, if we so just go out there and play as hard as you can. That's the value of it, whereas Toronto's sitting there going, we have to win. Because if we don't win, this is going to be the summer of hell. I mean, because everybody counted on them. They've won the North. I mean, they haven't had to contend with um, Boston and Tampa uh, all year. So, I mean, they're going to – they know the pressure's on, and how they handle that pressure is going to be determined maybe on how the Leafs handle um, their summer. I mean, if – who knows? Like, I mean – if, can they go again with the same group again next year if they've if they lose again today uh, I mean that's not my decision to make but I mean it's a, it's the thing that's gonna people are gonna question for sure talking to Bruce Boudreaux yeah it's gonna be a lot of shows uh, of that I, I'd, I'd really prefer not to but uh, yeah that's it's certainly yeah. gonna be the conversation if things go uh, pear-shaped tonight so so much of this, I mean, legacy stuff, what you're talking about, comes down to the top line and the, the two guys that really have failed to produce the entire series. One goal between Matthews and Marner, and yes, the Phil Deneau line has done an incredible job of, of shadowing them, but they've also gotten their shot attempts. They control the matchup tonight. 
No line on the Toronto Maple Leafs had more defensive zone draws than that group, which is understandable because they're 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 good for 200 feet of ice. What do you do as far as getting those guys going? Do you just assume that it's eventually going to be a breakthrough for them, or do you have to try and put them in more advantageous positions? Well, first of all, I don't think the coach is the, the, the guy that has to get them going. they got to get themselves going at this stage. Like, I mean, there's no ma- magic potion for the coach to come out and, and make them better players. They are who they are. But uh, if... You know, if if uh, you want to put them in better positions, then don't put them in defensive zone draws. But you can play them in every offensive zone draw uh, in the game because, especially since you've got last change today, I mean, uh, uh, you probably get it get it done quite a, quite often. But uh, that would be the, the the position of giving them the opportunity to to score rather than having defensive zone draws, having having that line playing all the offensive zone draws. I mean, especially without Tavares, it uh, leaves a pretty big hole in that in that second line. Um, but you could put the first line out there almost all the time. And tonight it doesn't really matter if you play um, 21 minutes or, or if you play uh, 28 minutes. I mean, heck, I think Weber played 37 minutes the other night and they were going with 4D so it's I mean it's let's you know you don't save anybody for any other time tonight is the night that you you know you lay it on the line you know that's a great point that I think is being overlooked a little bit is just how Montreal in a must-win game went down to 4D and that with Toronto even losing Muzzin, it's, well, you know, your depth is always going to be tested, but the other team doesn't trust theirs either. Like, they are playing four guys, and one of them, like you outlined, Shea Weber, is a little bit longer in the tooth. So seeing how they respond to this kind of a game is, is going to be really interesting. So you said it. The goaltending's been even. Maybe Price has had to make, you know, more saves, but uh, Jack Campbell stood on his head and in the last one and really saved them like really saved them in those first two periods. The first one especially to keep it even was, uh, I thought, almost a miracle. If there's something outside of goaltending that you think is going to determine this game, what do you think it's going to be? Well, I always I always thought it would be depth. I mean, uh, um, you know, we're talking about how much we're playing Matthews and Marners potentially in that, but in the end, it's if if you can keep throwing four lines over the board boards and they keep pressuring and pressuring eventually it's going to break and i mean uh, i i look at uh, a, a lot of teams that have won cups they've been four lines deep and um and having the confidence to play four lines deep that would allow you to put your you know your third and fourth lines on every defensive zone face off and your first two lines on every offensive zone face off and then i think in the end um and it, you know it, it's it sort of bit them in the butt a little bit is that um, their power play has got to score a goal for them. They can get two goals five-on-five in almost any game, but if you could get that one extra goal five-on-five or five-on-four in the the playoffs and you get to three before the other team does, usually you succeed. And the other one would be, like I said, getting the first goal. I think if you got the first goal, you could relax a little bit, get the monkey off your back, and and play the game you wanted to play. But uh, uh, that means starting the game at seven o'clock and not letting Montreal dictate the the type of game they're playing, and then you just trying to to match it and wait till you're behind before you become desperate. I think if they become desperate at the drop of the first puck, they're going to have some success.
Yep, it would be nice to see you for once. Uh, Bruce, uh, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks, man. Well, I don't know if I'll be enjoying it. I'll be on pins and needles like everybody else in Toronto, but uh, I'll be watching it. You know, as the next week, you'd like to see them uh, uh, break this jinx with the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, it would be very, very nice to just you know have a series win for you know one time in 17 years feels like a good enough amount of time to get one of those. That feels good. That would feel fine. I'd be okay with that. I think I think the people of Toronto deserve it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Kidding. There's no okay. question about that, Bruce. Uh, thanks for doing this. Talk again soon. Thanks, Coach. All right. Take care. You, Bye. Bruce Boudreaux. Yeah. You know, when you get into the thought process of, like, who deserves what, that's usually when you trick yourself into thinking that something that, – that we're in a movie and that, oh, it's all because, you know, it was leading to this thing and this moment and this – Oh, yeah. Uh, the pressure of this and it's like, you know – that's what I felt about Game Five. I was like, it was, you know, it wasn't. It was harder than you thought because in Game Five they had to come all the way back, and then they wanted an overtime. That was the hardness they had to endure. No, not, not becoming the only team in Stanley Cup playoff history to come back from multi goals down in the third period in elimination games to force overtime and lose both. So, I'm going to go back to two themes from that first block with Bourne after talking to Bruce. One is just how I said that Keefe is bearing some of this loss. That obviously it's on the stars, but Keefe, if we're looking at the scorecard of things that he has done that I would say are a bit controversial, one would be the continuation of Mitch Marner running the power play on the half wall and never deviating from it and not letting William Nylander do that job when Nylander actually might be at least part of the solution to unlocking it. There's some evidence for that. He switched up his power play, but he switched it up by going back to Morgan Riley, which why'd you go off of that in the first place if, you know, it wasn't... Like, the, the flip-flopping of some of it is, is strange to understand. But that, too, that power play, that should have been a really good indicator as to... I don't want to say some of the fragility of this team, but something along those lines. Where that grew on them mentally as the season went on where they were pressed and they couldn't get it done and they kept showing their hands of we can't figure this thing out and we can't overcome it Colorado which again is supposed to be a team that is built like the Leafs right very very top heavy with stars with some good depth but right now like you know they're missing Nazem Kadri and that's supposed to be as important to what Toronto had and where's their excuse they're flying around they're pumping the Vegas Golden Knights their power play last night when I'm watching it Vegas it just looks discombobulated. They don't look like they can get to their spots. They're ripping the puck around, and they're getting these clean looks and good opportunities and making nice passes. And all I could think is, what what possible reason could there not be that for Toronto? Part is it, part is strategic. Doing the same thing over and over again and going back to the same thing, which again is Mitch Marner on the half wall. And then also it leads to the conversation that we were having before about Marner and value. And listen, if you can't be the guy on a power play and it's become predictable what does that say about you and your overall effectiveness but they've let this power play clearly get to a spot where it's affecting them and when they lose a who is it we were talking to when they were talking about you know you lose that face off and it's that first dump out and how you feel like nothing's going your way mm -hmm. that's kind of how I feel about tonight Leafs start slow yeah of course they can win they've shown that they can come back in these games but an indicator of just 
how this team has responded when things don't go very well through the power play lens anyways has been they have gotten worse and worse and worse and gone more and more to the negative than overcoming something and being able to break through and show that maturity and do all those things. Like we're now getting mounting evidence that the whole we're a different group thing is mm, a little overstated. Oh, you think? (laughs) Yes, definitely. But it's taking me back. I'm glad you brought up the power play thing and the the conversations we're having during the regular season because you're right. I'm I'm thinking back to Sheldon Keefe and the question kept getting asked day after day after day and strategy and personnel and deployment and what's the reason? It's got to be mental at some point. At some point, you've tried enough things. There's enough evidence that, hey, man, there's only... 20 players, 18 skaters on the ice. Like, I, I, I can't go beyond that. Like, I've tried everything, tried every strategy. Nothing's worked. At a certain point, it goes beyond the explainable. Not unlike these starts in these last two hockey games. Well, where's the explanation? I mean, the players can't come up with one. They're as befuddled as you. Mm-hmm. Even, even guys that are getting dropped into the middle of this thing, like Nick Foligno, apoplectics is unacceptable. Obviously, it's un- mm-hmm. unacceptable, but unexplainable. Mm-hmm. You you cannot. That's what makes this whole thing in this potential conversation tomorrow so difficult, right? Because yes, it's an emotional, free flowing, hard to quantify game, and the only thing you're going to be able to say are these things that are unquantifiable and frankly fraught for discussion. And oh, it's, they're becoming more quantifiable. They are. Um, I thought them coming out this, the way that that second period started in game six was about as low as you could possibly feel watching a team. It's like, that's quantifiable, man, that your goaltender played that way and got you to a spot where the game was still knotted up. Yeah. Unbelievable. Still tied despite all of what happened. That's where you come back and you give your best punch. And it was nothing. It was just more of the same. And then afterwards, you know, sorry to keep doing this because I don't know what those guys will say and Brujo said it where it's like you're trying to take some pressure off of those guys and keep it loose and you know maybe not keeping it loose maybe not maybe just actually say like you know what chokers stop choking everybody thinks you're a huge choker how about you prove them wrong how about a little bit of actual adversity in your face to tell you like this is going to haunt you forever more people care about this team than any other team on the planet and you are playing like um, third liners, like third liners getting way too many minutes. And you're going to let a narrative of Phil Deneau, sh- oh, Phil Deneau shut you down? You're going to let them build statues in Montreal for him? What are you doing? I, you're going to talk about the chances you generated and the things that you think you were doing well heading into a game seven? Okay, you're going to talk about what an opportunity this is? Guess what? Every closeout game is an opportunity. You had an opportunity. What a what an opportunity it was to win in five games and not put yourself in a spot where your goaltender had who has had some injury history has to wear more games and wear more minutes. Where Jake Muzzin has to put himself in a spot where he tweaks his groin. Where we have to be having these conversations. Where people have to be tailspinning into whether or not there are ghosts and curses and all these things. How about that? Those were opportunities too. So. Forgive me, like, again, you're, not a cho- you're a choker until you're not. You're a choker until you're not. This is an opportunity to change a narrative. This is an opportunity to make things optimistic and blah, 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 blah. We'll start judging you on the next series and all these different things. But forgive me for not rolling into this game with a ton of optimism when 
the last couple games when you've had opportunities, quote unquote, to prove that you're different, you have come out flat. You're right about the post-game stuff and how you want these guys to look and whether that's right or whatever. But it does what it does do is it paints the picture, for me at least, where these first periods in games five and six, and you're right, like they've dominated the second period throughout the series, and for them to get out-chanced in that second period after the way the first period went down in game six was your brain leaked out of your ears. But what we're seeing... And you, you're 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 imagining this is true is that there's just not enough panic. Like there's not a thought process in the the heads of the players at the head of the snake and Matthews and Marner about that that historic possibility, right? The the narratives that will be written about them that they they don't care as much that they just think, hey, we're highly skilled. We've been incredible players all season long. We'll just do what we've done forever, and eventually we're going to come out on top. And that's the message that's being given to us at the end of these games. I do want to see more panic. Like, I don't think panic is necessarily a bad thing. Desperation, panic, call it whatever you want. Something where it's like, this is it. This is my one chance. And if I don't do it, something negative. Like, sometimes the negative can be a good motivator. It should be. Because, (laughs) again, I don't know how you could possibly still be reaching for things and searching for things and reasons to get motivated it's like i don't i don't know if like again motivation is the issue i i think that like these guys obviously care and they want to win i think that the the issue is again that it's overthinking and it's how it bleeds in your game it's how guys like Mitch Marner start putting pucks over the glass it's because you're nervous and because you yeah, are feeling those they, pressure and but so like so they care too much or not enough no, like no 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 but i just I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that it's how you handle pressure and the dismissiveness of like, oh, it not being a big deal is like a fine thing to put out public facing where you say like, oh yeah, whatever, we're generating chances or this is an opportunity. But it's one of those things where deep down you keep saying these things because you're trying to convince yourself that you're not feeling this pressure and you're not feeling this heat when all of the evidence is kind of suggesting that you are. And again, like this is a core that they have tried a bunch of different things around and it's well now you have joe thornton for these spots and you have wayne simmons for these spots and you look around the room and it's some different faces and it's guys who have been there before and guys tj brody and blah 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 blah. okay well you've had those guys there all season you had these two closeout games now you got another opportunity quote unquote to do it again you better prove it because I don't know what the excuse is supposed to be. You're supposed to prove you're tougher and you're more mature. And if you're getting beat by an inferior team three straight games, that sure doesn't reek of any kind of toughness. That doesn't reek of any kind of maturity. And it has to be wondered if you can ever learn that stuff. Yep. Uh, I'm going back to what Bruce said about these starts, about maybe just taking the, the reins off entirely. Don't play mm-hmm. scared. Don't play afraid to make a mistake. Play. I don't frankly. think you can tell people though, like don't play scared. You either are or you aren't. And that's what. So we have Justin Williams later on the show, and this is the question I want to ask him because he knows it like better than anybody because he's come up in big spot after big spot after big spot. He's Mister Game Seven. Is whether or not this is something that you can eventually learn, or at what point do you know whether or not you have it? Mm-hmm. At what point is Paul Pierce right about Demar Derozan? You know, mm-hmm. how much of a sample do we need? Uh, tonight would go a long way in deciding so much. It's, it's hard to put so much into a 60-minute hockey game, but here's where we are, and it's hard not to.
Alright, Leafs on the ice for that optional pre-game morning skate ahead of Game 7 tonight. John Tavares was on the ice wearing a normal blue jersey, but will not play in tonight's game. It was like a second, but then you remember that uh, Chris Johnson knows all and had the correct report that he will not play in tonight's game. Also, we have now clarity on Jake Muzzin. Not only will he not play in tonight's game, but he's out at least three weeks with what they're calling a lower body injury. Devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's his groin. And again, medical detective and real doctor Brian Goldman came together and told you earlier that there was just no way that that guy was going to be playing tonight. Tavares, same thing where... My belief is, one, is that he's taking a skate because he's on the road to recovery. Two, he's trying to just be present with his team and be a leader. But three is I, I think that part of it is to try and show that team, hey, I'm getting closer. Just buy me a little bit more time and I'll be back with this group. If you can get through this series, I'll be somewhere close to getting back here and playing with you guys. And and that's what he's signifying with that skate today. The urgency with this group to do it for him and to let him get back into the postseason. Yeah. I, I don't think that was ever about whether or not he was going to be able to play tonight. No, and Jason Spezza spoke eloquently about that apparently in a Zoom about how they need to keep mm-hmm. playing for John Tavares, someone who knows uh, Tavares very well, his former teammate, joins us online right now. P.A. Parento, former NHL forward, analyst for TVA Spore. Uh, joins us online. How's it going, PA? Thanks for doing this. Pretty good. Pretty good yourself. Good man. Right. Did that offend you the way that Ben tried to, you know, French that TVA up? Yeah. A, yeah was a... No, no, no. It was, it was pretty good actually. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. See, we we have often a debate on this show who speaks better French. It's me, but uh, even still, it's like that. That was him trying to be like, you know, I I got this down. I I can do this. That's as far okay. as you could go on TVA Sport, Ben, is to give the intro yes. and then. You... <laughs> Are they looking for someone to revoice yeah. those like interstitials? No, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> 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 Let's keep, it, let's keep it English for today. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's, you know what you sound like? You sound like every time I'm in a cab in Montreal, drunk, yeah. leaving the bar, going, uh, salut, uh, cold. and he's like, uh, just speak English, man. And I'll be like, oh. <laughs> uh, every single time. So, yeah, have you, uh, have you touched base with Tavares at all? Like, ha- have, have you had any kind of an, an exchange with him since the injury? Uh, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of putting you on the spot here. No, no, I haven't. But I got I got some pretty good news to the grapevine from people that I know that know him. So uh, yeah. obviously he's doing well. He was doing morning skate this morning, like you said. So uh, hopefully he'll be able to play. But you know, <laughs> tonight tonight will be the night if we see if uh, if they keep going or not. Obviously. Yeah. So he's not in tonight, which puts the spotlight directly on. Toronto's top players and we've been doing this discussion today of hey like do you give Phil Deneau a lot of credit for the way that he shadowed Matthews of course you do but ultimately one guy is supposed to be one of the best three players on the planet and the other guy is supposed to be a good shutdown guy but this is supposed to be a league where you know overwhelming skill wins and it hasn't been that case like what what are you seeing right now in the matchup between those two lines well, I don't want to. I don't think it's filled at all. I just think I think it's more Carey Price. <laughs> I don't think you guys are hammering the right one here. Like, I, I respect what Phil Deno does on the ice. Obviously, he's a good two-way guy, and, uh, mostly defensively. Uh, but I, I think it's Carey Price. That, that's the guy you have to look at here. That, that's Montreal's best player, and he's always been. And I don't think Montreal would have made the playoffs in the last 
13 or 14 years if it wasn't of Carey Price, you know. So uh, he's he's the guy that he's the guy that's gonna have to find a way ways to beat like Marner and Elander has played pretty well, but Marner they're gonna need more from Marner tonight. And Matthews, uh, obviously, the, the Habs have the you know they have all the momentum right now. Uh, the pressure's on Toronto. Montreal's got nothing to lose. They brought that series to Game Seven. That's even further than anybody would have thought they would have ever went. So, a lot of pressure on Marnie, uh, Matthews, and, uh, Matthews and Marner tonight. And uh, I'm looking forward to watch that game and see uh, see what they can do. I really believe in these two, though. If, if there's two players that can turn, turn it around real quick, it's them, you know? Yeah, no question. Uh, but if we're looking at a seven-game series loss to the Montreal Canadiens and Austin Matthews only has one goal, it's going to be pretty tough uh, on the old narrative train. So yeah. <laughs> what you're saying about Carey Price, like, yeah, that was one of the scenarios that we all played out in our heads going into this series. You think that it's all him? Because I know the shot share has been largely in favor of Matthews and he's had some big shot games, but do you really think he's getting those grade-A chances that you expected him to get in the series, especially the last couple of games? Mm-hmm. No, he's not. Obviously, he's not getting those great chances. But when I'm referring to the Carey Price, it's not only against Matthews. It's just the quality of save that he's, he's made him look. He's made him look so easy. You know, like no, like it's people are used to Carey Price making those save, but there's not many goalies in the league that are making those save. I'm thinking about the toe drag Nylander. I don't know if you guys remember that, the toe yeah. drag two on one and that glove save. Like, there's not two or three goalies that make that save in the league, and you know, it's just par for the course for Carey Price and he keeps doing it and it gets in the it gets in the player's head after like in a long series like that. Like you not you're not gonna get any breaks from Carey Price. You're not gonna get any softies. You're 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 just you're just small. So you have to you have to be sharp and I think he's in he's in Matthews and Marner's head right now. Dude, there was nothing dumber and I was saying it before and I'm saying it now than people who were writing Carey Price off. People who thought that, that, is, that he that wasn't is, that is, gonna that is that's insanity. Oh, I know. It's, it's crazy, man. It was bad. <laughs> it was really bad. And a lot of people, yeah. like some people were saying that, you know, Jake Allen should get the first start because yeah. Price got scored on in the AHL and all these different things. And I'm like, this is the most ludicrous. Like, if yeah. Toronto loses the series and there's one, like, fan take to be blamed, it's that the people who were like, Carey Price is old, Carey Price is washed, Carey Price yeah. is done, blah, 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 blah. It's like, no, 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 that guy's a big game player and a big game goalie. And I will say that, like, yeah, if I'm – if there's reasons to be afraid, if you're a Leafs fan, it's still goaltending above anything else. Like, as well as Jack Campbell's played, you do feel like, hey, which is the goalie that's going to be more likely to give up a back-breaking goal? Well, it's Jack Campbell. You know, which is the goalie that's more likely to steal a game? It's pro- it's still Carey Price. And so that's terrifying in this matchup. And but it's, I- terrifying for, it's terrifying for the Leafs fan because, yes. like, if, if I was a gambling man, if I was a gambling man, I'd put money on the half tonight just because of Carey Price. Well, no. they're like plus 200, so you would make yeah. pretty good money on your return. I, know, I don't I understand know. how it's slanted. Yeah, but you know what it is? They have all the momentum, the pressure's on them. But the, the offense of the Leafs is like unmatched in the league. Maybe Tampa Bay, maybe Colorado. You know, these three teams, that's the quality of the offense that they have, the, the, the big-time players they have up front. So they have that going for them, but they need they need to figure it out early. Like the, the, the start of the game is going to be – It'll be interesting to watch and see if they can get some momentum back because right now it's all Montreal, and I'm looking forward to watch the first five, first ten minutes, see if they can uh, if they can really get it going. Yeah, I would say. 
uh, it would be nice for the Maple Leafs to put together a half-decent 20 minutes uh, to start a game, which they haven't been able to do the last two. And yeah. we've talked about why that is and pressure and parsing over what is pressure and what's not and Sheldon Keefe trying to talk about it not being pressure. But for some reason, when the games yeah. get tougher, they're not rising to the occasion. Okay, I guess we're parsing at the moment. What about in the other end of things? Because, yes, there was a lot of pressure on this Montreal team coming out of the gates and they've underperformed and just barely made the playoffs. But clearly the underdog in this series and to get to this Game 7 in a way is is already uh, a great accomplishment for that franchise. Winning it would be an incredible moment in franchise history. How much has the idea of playing loose and maybe the pressure being off here and having nothing to lose impacted these last couple of games? It does help them, but you know, at the same time, they they, they underperformed this year. Like everyone knows it, uh, they were ready to fire everyone when it was three one for Toronto. It goes to show it's a fine line in hockey or any any kind of sport that you know it, to, to to turn the tide like they did like that. And now they have, like I said, they have all the momentum. They have no pressure tonight. Uh, you know, I'm I wouldn't bet against them. I said it like especially with Carey Price. It's like the, the problem with Montreal, they don't have. They're they're a pretty good team up front, but they're super like vanilla, right? Like they don't have the big time players like to, to win the Stanley Cup, like what it takes, you know, like Tampa Bay had, like Colorado will this year, you know. So I'm, they don't have the offense to go far enough, but you know, I'm, we'll see. Uh, it's it's an interesting matchup to say the least. I, I, I said Toronto in six when it started, and the only reason why I said in six is because Carey Price. So now I'm <laughs> I'll be wrong and. You know, I'm, I don't even know what I'm cheering for these days. You know, it's it'll be an interesting game to to watch, and it's fun for the fans. You know, that's it. And and maybe maybe that's what Toronto needed. You know, they win tonight, they felt the pressure. Now they know what it takes to, to win in the second round. Um, it's only fun for one set of fans, dude. <laughs> it's not fun for Leafs fans. This is not fun. No Leaf fan is like, what a fun, sexy time we're having. This is so great. Yeah, you you, you, you got to embrace it, right? And that's what happens. Hockey's all about. You're not gonna uh, win a Stanley Cup just by you know floating, and you know it, it doesn't happen. You need some, you need some adversity, and they're dude. they're definitely facing it tonight. <laughs> yeah. And okay, those guys, these guys who have just been losers who lose all the time, have a chance to change that and get back into the Stanley Cup conversation. But that's actually why. So I'm terrified of Montreal for a few reasons. One is that it's just like the Leafs look like they're cursed, and that this is just what happens to them, and that they're the butt of they're you know Charlie Brown with the football, where it's like, oh, you're gonna get no, you're back on your ass again. But just like you mentioned, it's like the Carey Price factor, the fact that Montreal gets to play loose, the idea that they're young guys, the talented guys like Suzuki and Caulfield and, you know, Evans, that they're like, hey, we're not supposed to be here, and this is like a growth opportunity for us, so, like, let's go in there, play loose, play fast, and have fun, and know that we've got years and years of this to come where we're all going to be together, like, no matter what happens here. With Toronto, it's not the same thing. There's all this pressure. The players have underperformed. It's just, it's an awful... It's an awful mess for them, you know? Like, it's, yeah. it's, just not a, it's just not a good place to be in from just about any standpoint other than saying, well, Toronto has more talent. And then you go, yeah, except for Matthews and Marner have one goal between the two of them. So all mm-hmm. that talent hasn't really amounted to, to too much. So, yeah, it's anxiety-driven. It's brutal. Montreal, all the right things, all the right pieces. But if there's one thing out of this that I think has been probably just as crushing for Leafs fans as anything has been if you've watched any of the other series, right? If you've watched any of the other stars, whether it's been McKinnon, 
Houston or Pasternak or, you know, watching these other teams and these other big-time players, it's been, well, Toronto's guys haven't been anything like that against what's been inferior opponents. Montreal wins this series. Who cares if they lose to the Jets? They weren't supposed to win the first series anyways. This is, in a way, like a Stanley Cup. You get to have this over Leafs fans forever. Leafs win this, and you're kind of like, okay, you were supposed to do that. Um congrats it took you way longer than you were supposed to and now you really have to do another series where you prove to everybody that you know contending right now like you can't even contend against the Montreal Canadiens so what is this conversation about the stuff we had earlier about change team better team real team mm-hmm. like that that's a body blow that I, even if they win they they don't recover from immediately yeah no I, you're right it's it's so much pressure at the same time you can't really uh, you know, Montreal is, like I said, is a very, very deep team and has the best goalie in the world. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm repeating myself here. And this was not an easy matchup. If Montreal was going to get some momentum, which they didn't early because their season was so, so bad, they found some momentum and that was the risk for the Leafs. And uh, they, they found their legs, they found their confidence, and Carey Price did as well. So that's that was a terrible matchup for, for, for the Leafs. It wasn't going to be easy by any means. Like, and and now it's it's more complicated than ever. And you're right, all the pressures on Toronto. There's nothing else you can say. The only thing, though, you're looking at it as a fan's perspective. I can guarantee you that those pro athletes in the locker room, they're going to be fired fired up and ready to go tonight for Game Seven. I would hope so. You know? My yeah. goodness, Leafs yeah. Habs Game Seven in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I at least at least, at least it's not so. at least it's not against the Bruins. Let's put it this way. Yeah. No, it's worse because if you lost the Bruins, you can be like, well, they're the better team. Underdogs again. But that's the thing. So the hope against hope, and I already mentioned this in today's show, PA, is that it's just, hey, once you break through that dam of winning a playoff series, that Mm -hmm. some level of pressure is off and that you open up, you unlock something. Exactly, exactly. And they will. I think think they will tonight. Like, Like, you know, I said... I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet against Carey Price, but at the end of the day, I think the talent is going to surface tonight, and I think they will pull, pull it through, and they get to start from scratch on round two, too. So, hey, boys, it's going to be yeah. fun tonight. It'll be fun to watch. Well, I mean, and there's a couple of young players on that Habs team. For you. <laughs> there's, <laughs> yeah. there's a couple hey, of young players. It, 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 it should be fun. It should be fun. Yeah, it should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Yes. Sports should be fun. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. but they're not. <laughs> uh, yeah, speaking to that breaking through the dam thing, Suzuki, Kotkaniemi, they have like a brief a bit of, of – they have more playoff success than this core yeah, but, has had. Winning that five-game okay, series against Pittsburgh last year, like at least it's something. Yeah. Like is that impacting things at all, their mentality? No, no, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. They're not – like these – they were – they were ready to trade and fire everyone in Montreal after five games. You know how quick that changes now? Like, they're gods in Montreal. You know, one game, two games, you know? Mm-hmm. So, like, let's, let's hold our breath here. And, you know, I think, I, I think the Leafs are going to are, are gonna come through tonight. And they're, they're the better team. They are. But it's, it's, yeah, there's it's one thing that I'm worried about, and you guys know what it is. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very, very true. And, you know, yeah. man, though, like, that is the one thing of – I was actually curious about is there was this, hey, Habs want to fire everybody and Habs want everyone out. And 
we were talking to CJ about the pressure on Bergevin and how if you're just looking at what this team has to do over the next couple of years, um, yeah, you might. There's a case. There's a strong case, especially after firing a coach already, that mm-hmm. that you let someone else handle the reins and that you move off of that. Do you think that just by getting here, things have changed just in terms of the tone of Montreal, that Bergevin, win or lose, uh, remains the in the front office, that, that he's got all the confidence? If they would have left in five, everyone was out. That, hello? Yeah. yeah you yeah. guys hear me? If they yeah, were lost in five, I, I I think everyone was out. Yep. I really do. Now, now it's a toss up. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Leafs need some ugly goals. They need somebody to put a stick in the garbage can, right? Like that was the story for, for game six that they're scoring garbage goals. They need somebody to say, we need some garbage goals, I guess. Something. Yeah. Need you know, I, I I just want to make a pre- I want to make a prediction. I think I, I think I I think Marner is going to be the game break like the game breaker tonight. I think he'll 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 be flying on the ice. He knows he hasn't been good enough. He knows they need like he he's like him and Matthews are the reason why this team's in first place. Like let let's face it, you know, if Marner if Marner gets his legs, gets his gets his vision, and gets his like, you know, he, he's such a fun player to watch, and he hasn't been anything close from what he's supposed to be. And I think tonight he'll, he'll really step up to the plate and show what kind of player he is. So let me just ask you this, and I'm not even – like, this isn't to name names, right? Like, this is just, hey, um, how real is something like this? You know, you've been in playoffs a bunch of times. Do you, did you ever play with a guy who you thought was great, but just when it came to this type of season or this time, time of the year, they just couldn't do it? Besides myself? No, no, not really. I can't think of anyone, and I can't really throw anyone under the bus either. But uh, no, I mean, but it's crazy the intensity level, though. Like, it's a different league. It's it, the, the, mm-hmm. the speed of game six was insane. Like, I watched it, I was like, oh my God. Like, I couldn't even believe I played in a league at some point. It was so fast. Like,. <laughs> It was good hockey, and the Canadians were really, really hungry to, to save their season, and it showed. Yeah, we'll find out who that playoff choker is, uh, and we'll have better <laughs> evidence uh, when we watch that Amazon series in September as well, when we have oh all the behind-the-scenes. Like, I can't even imagine. Like, this series alone, they followed them the whole season long. I can't wait to see whatever. This has got to be, like, a, a, the entire series, 10 episodes, this entire playoff series. Can't wait to mm-hmm. watch it in the fall. Uh, PA, well... Uh, enjoy the game tonight. <laughs> like you said, sports yeah, are supposed to be fun. We'll do hey, our relax, best. Boys, relax, boys, and try, try to enjoy it yourself as well. <laughs> nah, thanks for the advice, yeah. though. But nah, I'm not going to take that sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you, dude. Uh, all right, bye. Thank you, guys. All right. So if the Leafs lose that Amazon series, like, just scrap it. Or just send it to Habs fans directly and be like, hey, here's this thing for you. Mm-hmm. Or Vancouver fans, again, like, I hate bringing this up because it's exactly what Vancouver wants, but um, there's nothing funnier than Vancouver Canucks Twitter just, like, <laughs> loving this so much and being so invested in this. And it's like, at like, um, there's nothing that you can do, Vancouver, that will make Toronto care about anything to do with your team. Sports like, short of playing in a Stanley 50. Cup final. Had a poll out about – it was an abysmal season for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Does it make it worth it that, that the Maple Leafs might blow this lead, the, the entirety of this entire miserable Canucks season yeah. in which they were beset by COVID and completely underperformed after winning the, the playoff series against the Blues yeah. last year? So 
part of me gets it because it's like, yeah, like I hate the Yankees and I like to see the Yankees lose and whatever. And like seeing other teams that I don't like choke makes me feel a little bit better about my situation. So I, I don't think it's the worst, but like makes up for it was pretty extreme. Um, what I think is just so comforting about all this though, is that you go and you go like someone has it worse. Like they've never won. Like they're always losers too. Right. They've lost in heartbreaking ways. Like I love, it's like, yeah, you're perennial losers and, Got your hopes up this year. Your whole media market pushed you as like a contender and all this stuff about how they were going to take the step and they were the Canadian team to be. And it's like, okay, you and the Flames, like down in the gutter where there's like no optimism. So it made me feel better knowing that like, hey, it sucks to be a Leafs fan, but it could be worse. You could be a Canucks fan. Like, it could be worse. Could be worse. Thank you for that. Someone worse off than you mentally when it comes to mm. things that you need to derive joy from. This is why, like, everybody's talking about this today. And it, this perfectly culminates to us just talking about it with Justin Williams because he's the type of guy who proved time and time again that he had the right mentality going into these games. Tonight's all mental, man skill and price and all this stuff and it's this is a real mental battle between these two teams is Montreal going to be able to maintain feeling loose if Toronto is able to step on them early and comes out with energy and controls the puck and dominates the play and doesn't give them an opportunity who knows is Toronto going to come out with that type of an effort are they going to be able to unlock that? Are they going to find that? If Austin Matthews misses the net like he did in the last game and puts it over the, the net, is he going to go back to the bench and sulk and look frustrated but not in the right way where you come back and you kick ass the rest of the game? You're going to be able to play three periods of hockey where you're your very best? You're going to be able to just like tighten up and not make little mental errors because you're trying to force a play because there hasn't been anything there earlier? That's what is going to get answered tonight. So a lot of times it's hot takey. A lot of times we do things where it's, hey, this is a thing where we're blowing up whether someone's a choker or not when really it's a small sample. But this isn't now. This will be seven closeout games for a core. And they've had opportunities to grow. And they'll continue to have opportunities as they move forward in the future to change their narrative. It won't all be decided in one night. Their careers will not end. I mean, some might when it comes to like Joe Thornton. I don't know if he's still playing hockey next year. Hard to imagine. But for this young, talented group, they're still going to have chances down the line. But maybe it's not with the Leafs. And yeah. so if you want your legacy in the city to not just be the biggest laughing stock that it's ever happened, the worst season in the franchise's history, like that's what's on the line tonight. This is the worst season in the franchise's history if they lose. There's nothing worse than this. Blowing a 3-1 to one lead against a regional rival that has a fraction of the talent of that you do in this fashion is the worst thing that's ever happened in this franchise. And so nothing else will even matter. Even if you do go on to win a Stanley cup, like that's the bar. And even if you do it, like you're not going to be with these same teammates. It's not going to be all the same group, but that's the stakes. A tortured franchise that needs a win that thought they were going to be getting a win all year long is sweating out the most embarrassing loss in the franchise's history. And if you're Montreal, you got to be feeling great about that. And if you're Toronto, I, I really hope that all the talk actually led to a group that is able to play loose 
And I, I think it says something that Joe Thornton's talking and Spets is talking and yeah. not seeing a lot of quotes from some of the other guys that I'd like to see, like, feeling loose. I'm not worried about whether Jason Spets is loose. He's played in a bunch of these. I know he hasn't won any of these. But not worried about him in a big game because I've seen him step up time and time again already with this Leafs team. He's stepped up in bigger games already more than the other two guys have. I think that tells you something about the 37-year-old, that he's carrying your team emotionally and still getting to the, the good ice and getting those good opportunities. Like... Time to show something. When you heard people talk about this Leafs team during the regular season who didn't pay attention and said, hey, it's the same old Leafs team. Like, they're not – like, what are they doing that's different? And you said, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. You have to watch them. This is entirely different. If they lose tonight, like, they'll have lost the benefit of the doubt forever and ever and ever. There will never be anyone who can straight-faced say, but this year's different until it ends up being different. Because I guess there was some part of me that needed the evidentiary proof of winning a series to say this was different, but I did. Like, I, I bought in all the way How into this not? being different. But you have 60 minutes to make me not feel like a complete idiot. All right. Be nice if this guy uh, would come out of retirement and jump into the lineup for uh, your team tonight. Mr. Game 7. They tried. <laughs> yes, they did. Uh, only 8-1 and one with 7 goals, 15 points in his 9 Game 7s. Justin Williams, former NHL forward, joins us next. It is Good Show. Ben Ennis, J.D. Bunkus, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. So, I think we all agree that tonight is... It's all mental, right? Sure, do these guys have talent? Absolutely, but this is a, going to be a mental battle. Can you put aside blowing a series lead like this? Can, if you're Montreal, can you stay loose? Can big game players who have been in the spotlight for a bunch of games overcome a bunch of struggles, overcome the feeling of being snake bit and criticized? And can you play the way that you did all regular season? And I talked to you earlier in the show when I said... Is this a scenario where it's a Paul Pierce in basketball saying about the Raptors, they don't have it? And if they don't have it, can you learn to have it? The guy to ask is the guy who is named Mr. Game 7. It's a three-time Stanley Cup champ, former NHL forward, Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Mm, less good. We do this show in Toronto, so not the best do you have the secret for it can you impart it can you can you give us the secret now that you're you're retired you're a retired player you're a special assistant to the hurricanes can you tell us the secret now no i mean the 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 secret is they have to block out all the noise and certainly all the all, all the media here everyone expects everything to be easy right i mean nothing's easy adversity is going to come i mean if everyone thought that the Leafs were just going to steamroll through everybody um you know it's crazy like the first round is always, always a tough round. Listen, they're all tough, but the first round especially. Um, and, you know, the Leafs are getting that right now. And, and you know, I'm not saying who's going to win, but, uh, you know, through the first round and, and then you're not just going to walk through everybody and um, you got to deal with a little bit of adversity. Yeah, the first round's so tough, Toronto hasn't been out of it in 17 years. So, yeah, that's good. Um, but, man, you were, like we got it here in our notes, like you're 8-1 and one in game sevens. You have seven goals and you have 15 points. And so when you're talking about, like, blocking out the noise, I, again, this gets back to whether or not guys are able to do that. And 
I just, do you think that's something innate or do you think that that's something learned? Like where are you at just in terms of, you know, when you had your ability to just be you in those big games, that there's some guys who are able to just be themselves and there's some guys who are just not able to, is that something that you learn or is that who you are? I, I think it can be a little bit of both. I mean, that, you know, the, the, the ability to, to channel your nervousness in, in, in a positive fashion um, is, is kind of something that's just, you know, in there. And, and whether or not you can bring it out, that can be, that can be learned, absolutely. And you know, going, into, going into a Game 7, you just don't want to, um, you know, for, back, for lack of, of, of a better term, you just don't want to be another guy out there. You don't want to go and, 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 and play your series and just be another guy out there. Yeah, I played in that game. You, you want to have um, an impact on it. You want to be the guy, and you got to have to believe you can be the guy. And, and that's the most important thing, um, believing that you can be. And um, it's, no, it's, it's not unlike any, anything, like I was just watching the French Open. It's not anything like, like a match point against you or, 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 or a putt you really have to make or, you know, a, a bottom of the ninth two out. You, you don't want to leave the bat on the shoulders, right? You just don't, don't want to be uh, asking yourself what if. And you want to go out there and, and don't be scared to make a mistake. Get the bat off the shoulders, um, you know, hit, swing, swing through a match point and, uh, and give it your best and give it an opportunity. And, um, you know, hopefully both those teams do that. And I think we're set for a really great game tonight. Yeah, we'll see if the uh, Maple Leafs are able to do it. So um, when you looked around in those Game 7s, and you obviously saw your teammates who had uh, something close to what you have in those Game 7s, because like we said, you were 8-1 in those games. But did you ever look across the ice, the other team, and see that they were not able to do that? And what did that look like? Like, what can we look at and say, oh, well, that's not them being able to realize that thing that you're talking about? I think when I played a series and and... You know, you always you always remember the ones you lost, but you, you you especially you know remember the ones you won and what it took to do that. And I mean, the main goal at the end of the day is is to have the other team on the other side, and you look in their eyes and let them know that it was just too hard. Your team is just too good this time. And sometimes it takes four games. Sometimes it takes five, six, and obviously this one is seven. But um, at some point, you look in their eyes and, and you know that they've realized that, that this isn't their year and, and it's going to be too hard for them to overcome this. And you just want to overwhelm them with, with your ability and, and your will. And, and that's really kind of what it is. Um, you know, when both teams are battling like these guys, just a couple knuckles going at each other, um, you know, no one's given an inch, but eventually someone is. And you just got to make sure that's you. Stay with it as long as you can. So what does it say to you then when, okay, so, 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 like you, we can acknowledge that the first round is hard. We can acknowledge that maybe people shouldn't have treated it like a cakewalk, but there are moments in this series where Toronto looks like they're just on a different planet with puck possession, with shot opportunities. Like you even look at that overtime and then to lose those two in that fashion. Like, so when you're looking at this and you're looking at this Toronto Maple Leafs team and we're thinking, hey, it's too hard for you. Is that what you see with them? No, no, definitely not. I mean, there would be a different narrative, right? If, if they got off to a slow start and they were down 3-1 and they were coming back, and the whole narrative would be different, right? It'd be like, all right, the Leafs are rolling now. Everything's going great. Leafs are going to steamroll this. Leafs are going to win this game seven, no problem, right? 
but I mean, it's 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 give and take, and um, you know, I, I'm just looking forward to a good game, and and you know, whether or not the the, the Leafs win or lose, they'll learn something from it, and everybody's going to be pissed. Um, but you know, it's it's a process. You look at the Tampa Bay Lightning; how many great teams they had year after year after year, and then eventually they won it, right? I mean, it's it, it takes it takes some time, and maybe this is your year, but maybe it's not. But you know, they've they've got a great team over there, and um, they've shown it all year. And I would imagine, um, you know, they're going to go out there and, and give it everything they got. So they're built to win now. Yeah, it's fine if they don't win a cup, but yeah, you would think they could win a series over the last 17 years, which has not happened. Uh, talking to Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7. Uh, let's go back to 2006. 24-year-old Justin Williams wins his first cup with that Hurricanes team, and uh, you had 18 points in, in the 25 postseason games. There were a lot of veterans on that team as well. 35-year-old Rod Brindamore, 32-year-old Corey Stillman, uh, Mark Recchi was on that team as well. Like, What, what kind of an impact did those veteran players have on getting you prepared to play those elimination games yeah i mean at that point you know at some point you look around the room right you, and and see where your role is right like where am i and and you know in that particular instance with all those veteran leaders uh, you look to them right um, they're not looking to you um you're looking to them for guidance and you're watching and you're learning and you're taking little bits and pieces of everything that they say parts of their game that you want in yours. And, you know, there was a, it was a veteran team, a boisterous locker room. Uh, Rod Brindamore didn't say much um, because he didn't have to. There were plenty of good leaders on that, in, in that room. But um, when he did, you know, everyone says that, you know, Hey, he doesn't take pleasure when he does people hear it. And you hear him as a coach now and um, just the value of, of, of his experience and, um, knowing that he's been through what you're going through is, is something that's really, really um, awesome to have um, as a player and seeing it um, obviously firsthand as a, as, as a teammate is, and then a, you know, as a player under him, um, you know, it really hasn't changed very much. I can kind of see there's this, I've got this take about Brendan Moore where he's an even better coach because guys in the dressing room look at him and be like, man, he'd kick your ass still like bad. Yeah. So, you know, you got to fall in line. Like it's a different thing. Like not a lot of coaches you probably said about in uh, 2021, Rod Brendan Moore, I think probably still be able to do it. Probably still be able to pull him up, pull it off. Uh, so, you know, so much of this too is like rep. And I know that's the way that fans look at it. And that's the way that we create these narratives. But again, you're someone where, People went into a game seven and, you know, they put down a prop bet that you were going to score a goal because they go, you know, this guy is Mr. Game seven. And so people across the other side of the ice, like they think the same thing you score. They go, damn, of course, your teammates around, you feel better about it. There's this thing with Carey Price now going into tonight where, you know, we just talked to P.A. Parenteau and he's like, man, those guys feel great. Like they've got the best player in the series. They've got the guy who's proven it more than anybody in big games. And that's Carey Price. And I wonder if a how much that actually matters, like, with your mindset going into it. Like, you have the confidence of having done it before. And B, if Toronto loses this game, whether you think those guys are just going to have a rep as losers. No. I'm, no, absolutely not. I mean, you see, I mean, you're always a loser until you win. There's only one team that wins out of 31 teams. I know Toronto's looking for a serious win and some progress, and, and the team has made progress. They're, 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 they're a great team. Um, so the fact that, you know, you lose, you're a loser. I mean, I suppose you are, um, but, you know, you take something out of everything. And, and obviously, you know, Carey Price being Carey Price, 
um, you know, at the same point, you can't be, you can't be scared. You got to think of him as like any other goalie in the league. Um, you know, there's no secret of screens, tips, rebounds, second chances, all that stuff. And this game's going to be won on second effort. It's not going to be won um, by 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 one guy making some unbelievable um, end-to-end rush. I just don't see it that way. The, the the checking is too tight in the playoffs, and especially in a game seven. Second and third efforts are going to be the difference. Talking to uh, Justin Williams, were you one of those vocal guys before these games? Would you be the guy that said, hey, jump on my back. I've done this a million times. I have a lot of wins uh, under my belt. Like, what needs to be said? What did you say? What did you enjoy hearing headed into these games? I, I just enjoyed hearing um, leave it all out there. And, and, and people, you know, everybody's heard that term before, right? Everybody, well, leave it all on the ice. You know, we got nothing to save it for. There's no tomorrow, all that stuff, right? Um, but just just going out there and just, just erring on the side of enthusiasm. Not, don't be apprehensive out there. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the moment. I mean, when I'm not playing right now, you know, this is my first taste of not playing playoff hockey for, you know, mm-hmm. a long time and being a spectator. And, and these are the games you miss. And these are the games you relish. And, and the guys have worked all year for an opportunity to play in this game. And um, you just don't want to let it go by the wayside. So the yeah. negative is never a good motivator then, because we were debating that earlier. Like, is there, there's no part of these players, do you want them thinking about, hey, if I don't put it all out there, if I don't give my best effort, the, the narrative around me is going to be horrific. The negative you don't see. Or I could be in Buffalo motivator. next year. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't see a negative. I, you, you can't. You just, you just can't. The moment I ever thought of something bad, like, oh, what if I turn this over? What if I do this? No, no, it's, I'm going to make this play. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm, I'm going to succeed in this. I'm going to get this shot through. I'm going to get this puck out. All the stuff. Obviously, it's not all going to happen um, for you. There's going to be mistakes and there's going to be breakdowns, but that's what your teammates are for. And, and you know, my record of 8-1 and one is because I had great teammates and I was a part of great teams, not because I did something spectacular. And, and you know, I was just happy to be on them. You were decent. I would say you impacted them. Uh, 15 points in those nine games. But, yeah, uh, you did have great teams, yeah, no doubt about good. it. Yeah. yeah, not bad. Uh, Justin, we uh, appreciate you taking the time for us. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, man. Yeah, my, my, my pleasure. And just uh, <laughs> all the fans out there, you, know, you just, just take a deep breath, enjoy the game, and uh, enjoy the elite players that are going to be in this game tonight because uh, they're going to they're gonna show you something. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I hope it's, uh, it's a joyous show we do tomorrow. Thanks for doing this, Justin. See ya. All right, take Talk care, buddy. Yeah. Justin Williams, 8-1. I got to tell points. you, Justin Williams saying they're going to show you something tonight, just that made me feel better. I'm like, someone send that to them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Like, you're like, who's supposed to say something? Take it from him. Take, mm-hmm. take it from that guy going to show you something. He's like, is he going to be wrong? If he's wrong now, that goes down as an L. 8-2. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's someone who would know a thing or two about Game 7s, and yeah. he would. he's telling you you're going to see something from those. Yeah, I, what does he know about Game 7s? Yeah. He's right. It was all yeah. the. It was all his teammates, the 8-1. and one. Had nothing to do with him. Got to go back Dude. and look at those seven goals and see how many of those were little tap-ins at the side of the net. <laughs> I really, 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 really believe in everything he said. How could you not, right? Where he's like, I didn't think about the negative plays. I didn't think about the things. I didn't think about the urgency. I just thought, you know, I'm going to make a play, and then I'm going to let my teammates pick me up if I make a mistake, and that's awesome. And, like, that's the mentality of a player that you want going into this game. 
Of course, who wouldn't agree with that? I think the fear for people is that you do have a group of guys and a core at the top where they don't feel that way. They start to think about what's going wrong. They start to play out the disaster scenario and that the way that the fans think sometimes is actually them. Those guys aren't impervious to thinking about these things. Like, of course they're not. Like, time and time again, we just know this. So, yeah, is there potential that we're overstating these things and they come out tonight and put that to bed? But once they put that to bed, that's what we keep talking about is you have to take that first step. You have to have that moment. You have to close a team out to start to feel that added level of confidence moving forward of like, we're going to be able to do this. We're going to be able to overcome this. Hey, we've been in this spot before and we've still won this spot before. They have, they don't have that to lean back on. Like, I, I don't think that you can be as confident as Justin Williams playing with a bunch of other winners who have won in those spots and had track record in those spots. Like, that's why I kept trying to ask him about whether it's learned or whether it's developed. Because, And when he said both things are true, I think that's probably the right way. But I wonder if there's a breaking point where you lose enough times that it just kind of becomes a little bit more of your identity. It becomes a little more ingrained in you. Or if you win early enough, like you were mentioning with Suzuki, where it's, hey, this guy has already done it, and now he's scoring big goals against the Leafs, where he just actually does feel like he's playing loose and he's having fun, and there's something deep down in him that goes, I think I'm going to come through tonight. And when I get my opportunity, I just I see, I see it, and it's going to happen. I don't necessarily think that this is the correct part in this team's development to win a Stanley Cup. Like, it did feel like that at times during the regular season because they felt so different. But the division Mm -hmm. is obviously painting a lot of what we saw through 56 Mm -hmm. games. Like, I don't know that this is the end product when it comes to this core and how good they can be and whether that's good enough to win a Stanley Cup. Of course not. But, like, it's just... That's not what we're talking about. We're we're just... This is a sport in which so many teams make the playoffs. And so mm-hmm. many mediocre teams win playoff series. Mm-hmm. Look at the one that they're facing. Beat Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins, the laughing stock Vancouver Canucks. Beat the St. Louis Blues last year. And this is a different scenario. I get it because boy, they've really had hard, hard luck being in this division and facing the teams that they've had to face in the postseason mm-hmm. with this core when you're talking about a president's trophy winner in the Washington Capitals and one of the all-time great franchises and cores and it's got a thing called the perfection line that they've yes had chances to close out and really at the time people were saying it's incredible that they got it to a game seven kind of does feel like that way in retrospect how differently matched those two teams were in the postseason this is the first time you're in this scenario and to have this lead and to have it go this way like just I, I, I have to feel that it's the damn thing, that you have a breakthrough moment and you can just be a normal team. Just be normal. Just be a normal franchise that wins the occasional first-round series in the Stanley Cup freaking playoffs against an inferior opponent. Mitch Marner has now played in the last two series. We can say, like... And plus the Columbus ones, right? Like, but if we even just take that one out, it's like no goals. No goals, no goals, no goals. Constantly. There's a different feeling around a team where you are going, well, you're building and you're getting better and you're changing and you're getting outplayed and it's stiff competition and it's tough. It's like, no, 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 no. 
this is a team they were supposed to steamroll. And you can say whether or not the Stanley Cup playoffs are hard and whether we overstated that or whether we're outsiders and don't know what it's like. Every indicator from the regular season was that these guys were ready to take that next step. And if you have a scenario where your best players don't come up with any goals and you lose in this fashion, then... Yeah, I, I don't know how you look at it and say, well, it's just like they're early in their development. Because, like, yeah, okay, there's some cases to be made for both sides. I don't think that's going to be black and white. And we'll have to do a million of these discussions, you know, over the next couple of weeks as to where you begin to start to make, you know, changes and talk about solutions and all these different things. But, you know, Mitch Marner already had his media conference last year where he got to talk about not starting on time. And now he's doing it again. And where it's, we got to be tougher to play against. Well, you know, you said last year you got to be tougher to play against. You know what's hard to play against? Guys who score goals, guys who put the puck in the back of the net, guys who create offense and drive offense. So, yeah, I just I don't see it as a normal team in a normal series where you have to look at things as rationally as possible. Like, there is a difference in playing in this market. There is a difference playing with this team. There is a difference playing in this season against this team. Like, we we have to throw some of this stuff out the window when it comes to normal, like the ways that you would normally look at a group and normally look at a game seven. Like there are some differences here. Look like that Capitals team against Yarrow Halak where like you just, it's a thousand shots on goal. And holy cow, can you believe what's happening here? Like the clearly superior team is getting out goalied and it's going to be an incredible shame. And maybe there's something that's keeping them from winning these games, something that's unquantifiable, but there's something that we can quantify, and it's how well the goaltender is playing. In one team, you separate the goaltending and one team superior. How often have we seen that in this series? There's been moments, no doubt. They have basically not happened the last two games. You can point to overtime, I suppose, in game six. There are glorious chances there. Were those, were those like post-to-post? Like Carey Price flashing the leather. Like, are we going to see yeah. that on on the the highlight reel for years and years to come? They've controlled the game after game one for three games. Since then, they've gone completely to sleep. They've looked like they don't deserve to win the last two games. You mm-hmm. cannot play a game seven on home ice with everything on the line and not not at least look like you deserve to win. Whether you win or not, I guess. You can parse that, but you have to look like you deserve to win tonight. I don't care. Just win. Look any way you want. Just win. Just get it done. Stop torturing this fan base. Again, I feel sick for so many people that care and invest in this team and have had this and like, yeah, I'm sorry. But this is supposed to be their year where they're competitive and they're contenders and they're different and they're mature. And to, again, be the laughing stock is, is something that I just do not want to see for fans of this franchise. Like, I just don't. Like, I want to see this group take a step. I want to see these players reach their potential, but I don't care how they get it done tonight. You just have to find a way to get it done. I don't need dominance. I don't need anything. All I want is the Al Davis win. And how they get there, I don't care, but I would just say that is, you know, we tell we stories are sport our sports are stories. And that's how we communicate them and that's how we explain them a lot of the times and you can nerd it up and say that that's overdone and this is a huge story tonight and these guys have a massive ability to have a real moment in the franchise's history of beating Montreal, putting them away and putting in bed all these narratives and having everyone look like fools that ever doubted them, mm-hmm. proving a lot to everybody, including themselves. And yeah, I just, 
the the stakes could not be higher. They do it wrong. They can say that it's narratives. They can say that it's one team outplaying the other. They can say that, you know, calling for heads on pikes is overreactions and whatever. But ultimately, like, they're in control of their destiny. Like, go out and prove everybody wrong. Go out and prove that narratives and discussions are stupid. J.D. Bunkus likes the internet. He likes having power. He doesn't want to live in the woods, okay? No. He wants to live in society. Like, there's parts of it that he doesn't like, but he would miss all I'm of I'm ready, you. though. I'm ready. Bags are packed. <laughs> I'm good. I'm not going to miss Twitter at all. Like. <laughs> okay. Well, check in on us uh, tomorrow at 9 o'clock. Uh, it should be interesting at 7 o'clock. Bye-bye. See you then.